TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, that just always gets me. I'm sorry. I just need to listen to that. Welcome, loves. It is Bowerly News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, hey, thanks to everybody last night at uh, Diamond Hawk who came up to me. It was really wild. I felt like a celebrity. Um, and you know how I feel about that celebrity BS. But it was really cool uh, seeing you guys. And uh, you were out there to see uh, 45 RPM. Did a totally different set list than they did at Bobby J's. Um, and it was it was good. It was good. But big difference between a uh, Wednesday night and a Friday night in terms of your humble host. But before we go any further on News Radio 930 WBEN, they sent the good-looking one to the Buffalo Auto Show. And let's go to WBEN's Joe Beamer at the Auto Show where he's looking at new Bentleys. Well, uh, Tom, I wish. I wish. I, uh, I appreciate the uh, introduction. Thank you. We are live at the Auto Show, my first ever Auto Show. We've uh, gotten to see some cool cars, some cars that I'll probably never uh, never get, but there are awesome cars here at the Buffalo Auto Show at the Buffalo Convention Center. It is open. We are here 2 to 6, and we are joined. Our first guest, Ryan Regal of Buffalo Car Care. I like how your card, one size, one side says Rochester, one side says uh, Buffalo. Yep. Ryan, tell us uh, Buffalo Car Care. What kind of business are you guys in? What's up, guys? Glad to be here with you. Uh, Buffalo Car Care specializes in vehicle reconditioning and protection services. So we wrap cars in big, clear stickers that stop stone chips and impacts from abrading and ruining your vehicle's paint. Uh, we apply ceramic coatings and uh, window tinting. So you said protection for new cars, but also you got an older car. You can maybe bring that thing back to life? Absolutely, yeah. New cars are a little bit simpler of a process right. for us. Um, obviously, they're new. Uh, used cars, uh, it goes through a large prep process. We decontaminate cars, both mechanically and chemically. Um, we polish cars, things of that nature, to basically restore the shine and the gloss that was once the original car, and we restore it back to life, and then we put our little ceramic time capsules or our film on it to make sure that your expectations are met long-term. Awesome. Joe, can you do the same thing to my body? Bowerly would like to know if you can do the same to his body. If he We've been in. asked that before. That's a, that's a weird thing. We, 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 <laughs> anything for him, though. Now, uh, Ryan, you know, looking at all these new cars, say, hey, I want to go get that Bronco right, there. Right. I bring it to you. What kind of protection am I going to get for that on that Bronco to make sure it gets the best life out of it? That's a great question. And it really comes down to your ownership term, right? So everyone's ownership term is a little bit different. Some 
some guys are buying Broncos every single year. Other people, that's their dream car. They're going to keep it forever. And so uh, most people do a combination of both our paint protection film and our ceramic coatings. Uh, we can wrap as much or as little of the vehicle as necessary to meet either a budget or an expectation. Um, and so we try to be as uh, fiscally responsible as possible. Um, but uh, new cars are great. We have a, a great relationship with these new car dealerships. That's why we're included here. Even the NFADA, uh, we've been coming to the auto show. I know it's your first, but we've yeah. been here for, for about seven years now. And so. Uh, and these cars look great. This was all you. It is, yeah. There's another side of our company that uh, does a lot of detailing, and we partner with a lot of large uh, new car dealer groups to uh, clean cars and, and, and meet a different set of expectations like we're talking about and, and, and efficiency in cleaning cars. But, yeah, we were blessed to uh, land this gig to clean all the cars here today. Yeah, they look great. Wow. Buffalo Car Care. They're at 8214 Main Street in Williamsville, the old Bill Grays, yep. I always say. And for our Rochester listeners, <laughs> 3760 West Henrietta Road in Rochester. Ryan, final question. Just talk about the, your, your business, where it started and where it is now, because you drive down Main Street in Clarence. I mean, you can't miss it. Yeah, we have a big sign. Uh, Town of Clarence just let us put it up, so that's that's phenomenal for us. But uh, uh, Monday's our 15-year business anniversary. We started with my business partner, John Schmidt, uh, back in 2009. We were both students at the University at Buffalo. Um, you know, we just had a passion for detailing cars. Uh, we clearly stuck with it even after we got our degrees from UB. Uh, we decided to give this a good try, and we didn't want to have any regrets uh, not giving it uh, our all, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it's morphed and uh, expanded and, and really exponentially grew and scaled to where it is right now, where you know, we hover around 100 employees. Um, we, 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 we basically focus on uh, customer service. You know, if you're thinking about getting anything done uh, in the realm of vehicle protection or detailing, definitely look us up. Uh, social media, Buffalo Car Care on Instagram and Facebook. But uh, we've been doing it for 15 years. Awesome. Does Congratulations. Do you make house calls? Thank you. Do you make house calls or is it all in, in shop? As of right now, it's all in shop. It's a controlled environment, humidity, temperature controlled. That's what tends to give clients a long-term um, enjoyment. Uh, we like to do it right the first time. That's why in this geographic region we're so popular and we're expanding, you know, eastward. But if I give Tom your card, anything's possible. Anything for him. Uh, Anything well, for him. you know what? It, just give him my cell phone number and have him text me and I'll run the car out. Uh, because I need I need a serious detailing of uh, the vehicle after wintertime. Yeah, for sure. I, th I, I, I think uh, Ryan's the guy to call, uh, Tom, and Ryan Regal again with Buffalo Car Care as we are here live at the Auto Show 2024. All right, Joe, thanks. We'll check in again after the news at 2.30 on News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, it is uh, Bowerly. And I know, I know, I did this show not all that long ago, but I must redo it. And I must redo it because uh, if you have been paying any attention whatsoever to the news in uh, recent days, you are well aware that a missing persons case, which has gone back over 80 years, may, and I underline the word may, have been solved, may have been solved, but it needs further investigation. And that is the disappearance of Amelia Earhart, the very famous aviatrix, that's what they used to call him way back when, and her navigator, Fred Noonan. And nobody ever talks about poor Fred Noonan. He always gets the short end of the stick. But there were two of them in that Lockheed aircraft, and it never made it to its next destination. And if you've seen the uh, side scan sonar images and you've seen the picture of Amelia Earhart's plane, 
there is definitely a very interesting uh, similarity between the two. Now, let me just tell you from personal experience, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, especially myself, but um, we had excellent reason early in the spring to believe that in Williamsville, my team and I had located the graves of the founder of Williamsville, Jonas Williams, as well as uh, his mom, a child, and another Williamsville pioneer. We did our homework. We really did. We brought in ground-penetrating radar. The ground-penetrating radar showed subsurface soil anomalies consistent with graves, including direction of graves, depth of graves, and everything else. And then we started digging, and we found absolutely nothing. And I felt kind of like Geraldo Rivera opening up Al Capone's vault. Um, and I want to thank the homeowners. I'm not going to name them for letting us destroy their property. That was awfully nice. But um, so as, as exciting as this is, on the face of it, I'm also, let's wait until additional information comes through. But the mystery of the disappearance of Amelia Earhart has, for whatever reason, captured the imagination of generations of Americans. And you have to keep something in mind. Okay, How many of you have heard the name Charles Lindbergh? All right, probably half of you. Tanner Saunders, you're 23 years old. When I say Charles Lindbergh, what do you think of it? Goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers? Or do you know who Charles Lindbergh was and why he was famous? He was a pilot back in the early 1920s. And didn't his kid get kidnapped as well? Yes, Tanner, I am amazed at the depth of your knowledge. Well, supposedly kidnapped, although Lindbergh was a believer in, uh, shall we say, genetics, and um, there was thought that uh, Mr. Lindbergh's son was less than what a Lindbergh should be, and possibly he might have had a hand in his own son's disappearance and murder, but that's not been proven by anybody. But uh, Charles Lindbergh, see, way back when, it was a big deal. See, we hop on a plane. Like, we're going to Germany with conservativetours.com. And we think nothing of hopping on a plane, flying to London, flying to Stuttgart, Munich, whatever. And it's no big deal to us. But back in the 1920s, it was a huge deal that Charles Lindbergh, in a plane called the Spirit of St. Louis, and I lived in St. Louis, and tell you there's more spirit in St. Charles. But anyway, I digress. Charles Lindbergh in 1927 made headlines around the world when he was the first solo pilot to navigate his way across the Atlantic Ocean looking through a periscope. And I've flown planes, and I honestly don't know how the heck he did that, especially the landing. Takeoff's easy, but the landing, especially in a crosswind through a periscope, hello. But he actually flew from the United States to Paris, France, and there was no room for error. He had to watch those fuel gauges carefully, and at that point, you didn't have radio communications and GPS like you have today. Hey, look at the Malaysian flight that they still haven't found. Charles Lindbergh took his life into his hand, and he was, uh, of course, a big favorite of uh, Hermann Goering of the Luftwaffe, but we won't go there right now. But flying back in the 1920s was a big deal. Remember, flying only really started at the beginning of the 1900s with the Wright brothers. So 
when you consider the advances, the leaps and bounds made by aviation around the world, which clearly was inspired by alien technology, uh, but when you uh, consider that, Amelia Earhart was a big deal because she was a woman. She was a woman in a man's world. And she was, well, this is subjective. She was beautiful. She was highly intelligent. Her husband, I guess, was a bit of a cad. But um, not that I pass judgment on such things. But Amelia Earhart was a big deal. So when Amelia Earhart went missing, it was a national thing. And for whatever reason, the Amelia Earhart story has stayed in the American consciousness now for almost a century. Whatever happened to Amelia Earhart? And in the 20th century in the United States, there are three disappearances that still resonate with, well, all right, there are two of three major disappearances that resonate with some people in America. The disappearance of a judge, Judge Crater, in New York City, actually got a reference in The Sopranos, the got to pay homage to The Sopranos on a daily basis. Uh, Judge Crater, you can look it up, Crater is in Crater on the Moon, although that's not where he ended up. Um, and there was Amelia Earhart, and there was also Jimmy Hoffa. Because you ever watch The Irishman on Netflix? Okay, first of all, most of it is BS. Um, yeah, uh, Sharon was just full of crap. But anyway, I don't even want to go there. But anyway, uh, Jimmy Hoffa, 1970s, goes to meet some <clears throat> friends at the Red Fox restaurant in Detroit, ends up missing in action, probably cremated and immediately scattered into the wind. That's why they're never going to find his body. But um, those disappearances have captured the imagination of Americans for whatever reason for a very, very long time. But the idea, the idea that Amelia Earhart's plane may have been located is, to me, awesome. And I want you to keep something in mind. And those of you who are younger, listening to News Radio 930 WBEN, yes, both of you under the age of 80. Uh, but, sorry. Uh, but anyway, it's <laughs> having fun, guys. Don't mind me. But uh, anyway, um, Amelia Earhart's plane. Folks, if you're listening to us and you're younger, you have to understand, right now, everybody knows exactly where the, ti- the, uh, the Titanic went down what the GPS coordinates are, 16-digit coordinates of where the Titanic is located. But when I was growing up, nobody knew where the Titanic actually was. It wasn't discovered until the 1980s, and it was a big deal. Now, of course, the Titanic is a little bit bigger than Amelia Earhart's Lockheed aircraft, okay? But when you look at the images, uh, the side-scan sonar images uh, that were discovered, discovered by this firm, which was uh, basically photographing uh, through sonar the bottom of the ocean, um, it really does look like a plane. And it really does, like the tail section especially, resembles um, the Amelia Earhart Lockheed. But again, it's too soon to say with any definitiveness that it is, in fact, the plane of Amelia Earhart. Because, as I've told you from experience, and uh, 
I'm just I'm just saying, uh, bitter experience at that. Uh, try to explain that to your donors. Yeah, um, we got it wrong. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Uh, but the idea that Amelia Earhart's plane may have been located, the idea that they might find Amelia Earhart's body in the plane along with her navigator Fred Noonan, that is a pretty big freaking deal, okay? Now, and that got me to thinking, uh, and I, again, I've done this show recently, but I'm rekindled in my rabid enthusiasm for this topic uh, by asking you, what is the mystery that you would most like to see solved? And I'm telling you, the best information that I've ever heard is that Jimmy Hoffa was murdered in a house in Detroit. He was almost immediately cremated, his ashes scattered to the wind, and he will never, ever be found. And as they do point out in the movie The Irishman, which was largely BS because Frank Sheeran did not kill Crazy Joe Gallo. Come on. Uh, that guy had more stories than Grimm Brothers. But anyway, um, I'm kind of curious what mystery you would most like to see solved. And I did ask this question a few weeks ago, but this, this Earhart story has grabbed my attention because, um, let's face it, um, I enjoy aviation. I was not able to get my pilot's license because uh, they tend to frown on people with cardiac conditions flying airplanes alone and just wasn't worth doing battle with FCC. So, or FCC, FAA, nor is it worth doing battle with the FCC, I might add. But what mystery would you most like to see solved? Aliens Among Us? The Roswell crash? Sasquatch? The Kennedy assassination? One of my personal favorites, which, tell you what, if the Kennedy assassination, I'm talking JFK, if it hasn't been solved, like, here are the names of the people. Maybe Rob Reiner got it right. Maybe he didn't. But if, if it didn't get solved, I think there is absolutely reason, more than reasonable doubt as to Lee Harvey Oswald's complicity in the murder of JFK. And I would argue that was the day America died and our political system became kabuki theater instead of legitimate. So 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Of course, one of the enduring uh, mysteries in Buffalo is how have I kept my job? Um, and I'm still trying to figure that one out myself. 803-0930, what is the mystery you most want solved? What intrigues you? And I've got another one that I'm going to excuse me while I whip this out after the news at 2.30. And it does involve the Great Lakes. It does involve a place kind of near Buffalo. Uh, but uh, let's get you on, on hold here at 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through. 
deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame, two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medela, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Talking about uh, and look, I know I did this show recently, but I'm lazy. But no, it, the the whole Amelia Earhart thing makes this relevant once again. Uh, did they really find? Um, what do you think? Do you think they really found Amelia Earhart's plane? Uh, the preliminary data is favorable, but I've learned that preliminary data can be incorrect because it happened to me. But right now. Uh, before we get to calls, and I've got some great calls coming up, and if you want to call in, it's a great time to call because I have uninterrupted time at 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. After we go to WBEN's Joe Beamer at the Buffalo Auto Show. Oh, Joe. Hey, Tom. We are back here at the Auto Show, and you know, they tell you it's a small world, and it is. I am joined by fellow Amherst Central High School uh, alum was in my sister's homeroom, Ryan Ricknowski. He's with Spooling Up Performance. Ryan, you've got a Lamborghini here. Yes, we do. And I, we saw it, and I, I we're going to go back and look at it after this hit. Uh, but Spooling Up Performance, tell us what, uh, what kind of work you guys do. So we're a local performance shop. We do everything from mild to wild, um, you know, whether it's a high-performance vehicle like the Lamborghini or whether it's your daily driver, work truck, mom and dads. Um, you know, we're all car enthusiasts ourselves, so we understand you can't drive your summer car every day of the year. Um, you know, so we want to try to provide a place, a uh, one-stop shop for, you know, all of your automotive needs. Now, is that the kind of stuff you do? Say you buy a Lamborghini. Do I take it to you? Is that how it works? You very well could. Um, and on top of that, we also just uh, acquired a uh, Dynojet all-wheel drive. It's a 424 XLC dynamometer. So we're able to do uh, testing, tuning um, for you know pretty much all makes and models. We could tell you know exactly how much horsepower and torque the vehicle's making. We could check air-fuel ratios, things of that nature. And we could also use it to diagnose uh, drivetrain issues as well, you know, something that you would have to operate at speed in order to you know, be able to really tell what's going on. Lamborghini, it's a, it's a beautiful-looking car, right? I don't know anything about the, the, the works of it. It's a beautiful-looking car. Uh, under the hood, is it just as good-looking? Uh, well, the hood is in the back. It's got a 5.2-liter uh, V10 engine in it, um, making about 600 horsepower. I think it's 0 to 60 in 2.9 seconds. It's fast. <laughs> now, this is my first-ever auto show. So is this how often do you guys hear every year? I mean, I come out to the auto show just about every year, you know, car enthusiast, but this is our first year as a company coming out here. You know, we just wanted to showcase our, our new equipment and our, you know, new services that we have to offer for the community. Now, you have, you have the Lambo here. What's your favorite car to work on, and is it also your favorite to drive? I mean, my favorite car to work on and drive would probably have to be a Corvette. You know, I have two C5 Corvettes. Um, one of them is a full drift car build. The other one is in the process of becoming a uh, Formula drift car. So I'm, i got a lot of work to do on it. Actually, 
have to straighten it first. A buddy of mine crashed it. <laughs> so, so that's amazing. So you do you do at that as work, and then sometimes you go home and also work on cars. That I pretty much never leave the shop. You know, we, me and my uh, my coworkers joke. You know, if we had beds there, we'd never leave. Spooling up performance. Where are you guys located? Uh, we're 1455 Niagara Street, um, you know, over right by like the 198 and Niagara Street. Now, you come to this auto shows like, you know, this auto show, right? And you guys, you guys are here uh, this year, your first time. But when you come, what's someone like you looking at when you look at a car? I mean, it's, there's a lot of things, really. I mean, for me, especially nowadays, like, you know, if I'm looking at any of these cars here, I'm looking at, you know, creature comforts and amenities, you know. When it comes down to performance, I already kind of know where I sit. So when I come here, I'm looking at vehicles. I'm, I'm looking for something that I'm going to want to sit in and drive, you know, cross-country to events or things like that. All right. Ryan Ricknowski is from Spooling Up Performance. Ryan, give us that address one more time. It's uh, 1455 Niagara Street in uh, Buffalo, New York. All right, Ryan, thank you so much. Can't wait to go see that Lamborghini. It was good seeing you, and uh, Bauer, or Tom, Tom Bowerly, that's the show we're on. Uh, Who are Tom, you, Shirley Worthington? I've been working with Shirley for 30 years. She still calls me Bowerly. I'm sorry, Tom. Uh, we will be back here after the top of the hour news uh, talking more about the auto show. And we're here till 6 o'clock. You can't miss us. We are on the stage, but Channel 4 is kicking us off the stage. So we'll be to the side of the stage uh, oh, later on. I know. You tell know. Channel 4 to put it where the sun don't shine. You see if you can get Don Postles pissed off at you. You can take Postles, trust me. I'll pass the message on, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> I know a guy who, never mind. Anyway, hey, how you doing? It's uh, Bowerly News Radio. <laughs> I say that for Mike. How you doing, Mike? Uh, it is uh, Bowerland News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, yes, I like Don. And I actually watched Don before he turned orange. Um, true story. Uh, let's get back to the calls. We're talking about what mystery you want solved. And Charles, in I'll get to mine, but uh, I'd rather hear what you guys have to say. And ladies, don't you ladies have mysteries you'd like to see solved? I mean, you love your true crime shows and everything. Uh, here is and I got a mystery. Do you think the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey thing is just a marketing ploy by the NFL to get more people to watch, or is it true romance? That's an interesting theory that I heard last night. I was like, you know what? Uh, nothing would surprise me anymore. Okay, Charles in uh, Clarence on WBEN. Hello, sir. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm just dandy. The, the mystery I'd like to see, see solved, I've I suppose I'm not alone in this one, is who the heck was Jack the Ripper anyway? Actually, it was Paul McCartney, um, a little-known fact. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> to Mr. McCartney's attorney, that was said in satire and joke, as Mr. McCartney was not born during the time of the 1880s when the Jack the Ripper serial killings took place. Well, we know that Jack the Ripper was the first well-known psychosexual killer of the modern era. Um, here's, here's the thing. Um, I was watching a panel discussion of geographic profilers, criminal profilers, and criminal uh, people who are familiar with how to investigate cold case homicides. And they all unanimously, they, they considered all of the leading suspects, and all of them came up with the name Aaron Kosminski, who was a Polish-Jewish immigrant who lived in the East End and was thought he he was there were like five suspects as Jack the Ripper, and they analyzed everything they could, and 
all of them said it was this Polish immigrant named Aaron Kosminski. Kosminski, you got to look that up. But um, here's something interesting. There was allegedly a shawl found at one of the crime scenes. Now, its provenance, or provenance, is somewhat in question, but his DNA showed up on the shawl. So even though the provenance is in question, why would his DNA show up on this random shawl that had been preserved since the 1880s? So I think with a 50-50 degree of probability, I think they have identified Jack the Ripper. And interestingly, the killing stopped after his family had him committed. Well, makes sense to me. Thanks for clearing that up. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know how much reading uh, you've done. Aaron Kosminski was uh, his name, by the way. Uh, But the East End was the home to a lot of immigrants, um, a lot of Jewish immigrants. There was a lot of widespread anti-Semitism in the Whitechapel section of the East End. Um, Yeah, I knew that. There was one one, uh, crime scene where and this is this is a you talk about destruction of evidence okay there was one murder that was committed and they tracked the steps of the murderer and on the wall was written the phrase the jews are the men who will not be blamed for nothing and the co of the i think it was the metropolitan police i'm not sure uh, the CO actually ordered it to be, before it was even photographed, ordered it to be washed from the wall because they feared anti-Jewish riots. And there was also a suspect who was a Jew uh, who was named Leather Apron. And this poor guy almost got lynched because he was a Jew and he was wearing a leather apron thought to have been the attire worn by the man who committed the Jack the Ripper murders. But... If you look uh, online, again, and I wish I had saved this, but I did not, panel discussion of the geographic profilers, the criminal profilers, da-da-da-da-da, and even before the DNA information came out, uh, they said, we believe the most likely suspect is Aaron Kosminski. And one of the guys on the panel was an FBI guy, and you know he apparently served in the FBI before it became a political tool for persecuting political opponents by the Democrats. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> was that out loud? Uh-huh. Yeah, it was. So um, yeah, yeah. Profiling is really profiling is really a fascinating uh, um, profession. Well, profiling is, um, I mean, let's put it this way. The, the, the more data you have, the better. Geographic profiling, to me, is very underrated because it makes sense that a serial killer, and Jack the Ripper was a serial killer, um, they do operate in a pattern. And I don't know if you've ever been to London or Whitechapel or the East End, but it, it basically you're talking about a whole bunch of winding warrens of impossible-to-navigate streets. And anybody who lived there probably knew the area as well or better than the cops who walked the beat. Yeah. And um, Kosminski actually fit a description given by another Jew – um, of the man who was seen with uh, one of the victims before her body was discovered. 
But uh, again, there was a great, you have to understand, there was a great deal of concern in London. Uh, and, and this drew the attention of Queen Victoria, by the way. Uh, and the, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, tell me what else you know. I mean, I, I could sit here and descant uh, on this all day long, but what else do you know? Not a lot. I was. That's why I called in to see what you what you had dug up. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't say that I've dug anything up. I just. Years. But I, I just I know what I've watched. I, I think that there's at least a 50-50, maybe a 60-40 chance that Jack the Ripper was in fact Aaron Kosminski because he fits the psychological profile. I know that after he was committed, the murder stopped, and one of the chief inspectors of the case did identify uh, him as Jack the Ripper, although he got the date of death wrong, which is somewhat disconcerting. <laughs> okay. Well, thank, thanks, thanks for clear, clearing, or at least adding to that and clearing it up. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I mean, I've clear, I appreciate the call, my friend. It's, I mean, I've cleared it up to the best of my ability to do so. Um, I do think it is a solvable case. I absolutely believe it's a solvable case, but that is contingent upon, remember, we're talking about the, the late 1880s with the Jack the Ripper case, okay? And they didn't exactly have the chain of custody and preservation of evidence that we have today, so... Any scientific testing, you know, I think you would need more scientific testing if they exhumed the victims, if they were able to find blood from the assailant, if they were able to find uh, bodily fluids or maybe a stray hair from the assailant. It would add some veracity, additional veracity to the uh, idea that Kosminski was, in fact, Jack the Ripper. But I think that he, let's put it this way. Of everybody of whom I have read, likely to be Jack the Ripper, Aaron Kosminski is, I feel pretty confident in saying, mm, the most likely suspect, but that does not mean the definite suspect. I want to make that very, very clear. Uh, 251. Now, I know this will make Tim Winger's day because Tim is a chartered Great Lake captain. You might not know that, but he is, and he's fascinated, as I am, by the Great Lakes. That's why every, what, November 10th, we play Gordon Lightfoot's Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald to pay tribute to all of the men and women who have died in the hundreds, thousands of Great Lakes shipwrecks over the years. But here's what you might not know. The Holy Grail of unfound, well, there are actually two. First one would be the Griffin which actually was built right here in western New York and went missing. But the, uh, the, the holy grail of the modern era of Great Lakes shipwrecks is a train car ferry known as the Marquette and Bessemer Number no. 2. And I think it was 1909. It went off into a storm. And what it was, it was a ferry that would transport railroad cars across the lake into uh, from uh, Conneaut, Ohio, I believe, to Port Stanley uh, on the other side of the border. And it ran into some real heavy weather. And it was a horrible storm. And nobody knows where it went down. And we're not talking about something that is as small as Amelia Earhart's Lockheed airplane. We're talking about a rather large, I think it was about a 500-foot Great Lakes vessel. Because in the old days, it was a lot easier to transport railroad cars across the lake with car ferries than it was to send them around the lakes. Okay? And the 
the suspicion, there, there are many suspicions as to what might have happened with Marquette and Bessemer number two. One of them is the builders were so freaking cheap, the owners of the ship, they didn't put a stern gate on. In other words, something to keep the waves from uh, inundating the cargo hold. Um, and that the ship had no choice but to turn around and basically get belted in the back by a bunch of waves, and then everything got knocked around. And then the other theory is the seas of Lake Erie, very short waves on the lake, were so rough that they actually knocked the railroad cars from the tracks on which they were supposed to have been fastened. And the cars basically were like wild horses in the cargo hold of Marquette and Bessemer Number 2, and basically uh, threw off the balance, threw off the center of gravity, and the Marquette and Bessemer went down. And here's what's really interesting. You talk about solving mysteries about Marquette and Bessemer number two. They found um, some of the bodies frozen solid in a lifeboat. They found empty clothes. Somebody had gone crazy in the lifeboat, stripped naked, and jumped into the lake. True story. But what really has people baffled is they found a very large size butcher knife in the lifeboat. And there is considerable speculation that the crew was so pissed off at the captain, a guy named McLeod, that when he tried getting on the lifeboat, they basically killed him because they looked at him as the guy who made some really bad decisions. But if you read about Marquette and Bessemer number two, one of the problems with finding it is there were sightings of a ship, a boat that were very similar to Marquette and Bessemer number two, but where the vessel should not have been. And before I die, I hope well, I don't think I'll ever see the Bills win the big game. I don't think I'll ever see the Sabres win the Stanley Cup, to be honest. But I hope, even more than those things, I hope that they finally find Marquette and Bessemer at number two and are able to determine, after all these years, it's been over a century, exactly why that vessel went to the bottom of Lake Erie. So less than 150 miles from where I'm speaking to you from Buffalo, New York, the Holy Grail of Great Lake shipwrecks is somewhere at the bottom of Lake Erie. True story. You'd think that maybe during one of the seiches, some something would show up, but uh, it, it's probably somewhere between Conneaut and uh, Port Stanley, but nobody knows. Therefore, it's a mystery. So uh, what mystery would you like most to see solved? And I look, I did this show not that long ago. But the potential finding of Amelia Earhart's plane has caused me to redo this topic sooner than I ordinarily would because I love mysteries. You know, another mystery I'd love to know is did an alien spacecraft really go down in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947? Did that really happen? And when I read Phil Corso's The Day After Roswell, I think to myself, why would this guy who had a high position in the military, why would he make something like that up? Why He said he saw the alien bodies and he knew the story. I've seen interviews with uh, Jesse Marcel, his son, saying, I was shown things that had foreign-looking letters on them, not of this earth. 
my father woke me up at night and showed me debris from the craft. And again, it's a different country now. I don't believe a damn thing our government says about anything. And I don't because if you can get away with killing a president in broad daylight on a street in Dallas and the media compliantly goes along with the story and believes you, you can do anything, including hiding up, hiding aliens. Uh, 803-0930, star 930. What mystery would you most like to see solved? There's a whole bunch of mysteries I'd like to see solved. Uh, 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. We'll take your calls, and uh, I, 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 I love it when people call in with stuff that, of which I actually have some basic knowledge. Makes me seem smarter than I really am, because I'm really pretty, I'm, I'm a pretty stupid man, guys. No kidding. On News Radio 930, WBEN. All right, loves, welcome. It is Bowerly on uh, News Radio 930. Oh, oh <laughs> the chair almost went back. Oh, actually, it did go back, just not all the way. Uh, it, it's good for the back. On uh, News Radio 930, WBEN. So, uh, anyway, this guy uh, thinks he may very well have found Amelia Earhart's missing Lockheed. And again, three great disappearances of the 19th century. Uh, the disappearance of Judge Crater from New York, who probably was mobbed up. The disappearance of Amelia Earhart and her round-the-world flight with her navigator, Fred Noonan. I always wonder how the Noonan family felt about being so neglected in publicity. And the disappearance of Jimmy Hoffa. And I feel very confident in saying that uh, Jimmy Hoffa's situation, I'm pretty sure that he was whacked and cremated on the same day. They're never going to find his body because it's, as Kansas sang, dust in the wind because after all all we are is dust in the wind uh but we're talking about what mystery you would most like to see solved i know i just did the topic i get it but amelia Earhart. that's uh, i didn't see that did you see that coming hey another mystery is why do those idiots get on the titanic submersible i'm sorry yes it was a tragedy but my goodness no way. Seriously. Hey, let's get in this tiny little thing and subject it to enormous pressures and hope we get out alive. Dumb. Um, it's also called hubris. It's a Greek word. Uh, it means souvlaki. Uh, let's go to uh, the auto show, the Buffalo auto show. And they sent the good looking guy, Joe Beamer. But I get all the women. <laughs> Joe, uh, Sorry, <laughs> just just kidding. That's going to get me into trouble. Uh, Joe, you are on. Go ahead. Hey, Tom, we are live here from the 2024 auto show going on now till February 4th. We're here uh, 2 to 6. And, you know, Tom, as I said, this is my first auto show. And after we do this hit, thanks to uh, Ryan, who we talked to last uh, last hour, I will be for the first time ever getting into a Lamborghini. So, uh, well, Joe, can we just can we just make it really clear that you say this is your first hit? You're not like token up down there. <laughs> this is my first auto show. Okay, my first thank auto you. show. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> but um, I've never been into a in a Lamborghini, so for the first time, I will be able to get behind the wheel. I'm not going to drive it, obviously, but I'm looking forward to that. There are uh, awesome cars. We looked at some BMWs uh, earlier. I'm right in front of the Jeep uh, display here. It's it's an awesome time. 
this place is packed already. So get down here. Like I said, we're here until 6. I'll be talking with Tom twice an hour throughout his show. And uh, come by, say hi, and uh, look at some of the hot 2025s that are ready to hit the market, Tom. And uh, next hit, I will be talking to you about the uh, Lamborghini experience. Well, and don't forget our friends from Transit Town Kia are also there. That's uh, right. And, uh, you know, because they are a sponsor of this show, I think it's only appropriate that you make an extra effort to seek out Kyle Tolbert's people from Transit Town Kia. Tom, I will be doing that right after the Lamborghini. <laughs> right after the Lamborghini. Well, they're equally priced, actually. No, yeah. they're, they're <laughs> No, they're really not. All right, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. Joe Beamer, live at the Auto Show on News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, yeah, I'm classless. I understand that. Thank you. All right. Um, oh, some uh, email. But I, I don't usually like to do email because I'd rather talk to you on the phone. The Zodiac case. Oh, remind me to get back to the Zodiac case because I am obsessed with the Zodiac case. I like it's it's disturbing my obsession with the Zodiac case. Okay, how about DB Cooper? Nobody mentioned DB Cooper yet. The guy who uh, jumped out of the was it Pacific Northwest plane, and they think they might have found him. But I've heard that my whole life. Hey, we think we found DB Cooper. We think we know who DB Cooper was. And how about the guys who supposedly escaped from Alcatraz? Did they or didn't they? Uh, let's go to uh, Craig in Hamburg on WBEN. Craig, apparently you are a fellow Great Lakes history buff, and you might be interested in knowing that my great uncle uh, was a big shot with the Coast uh, with the Coast Guard. Bruso Very was his cool. name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I've, uh, I've called him before. We were talking about uh, uh, right after, actually, after the people lost their lives going down in that, uh, that craft, uh, the, the, the Titanic wreck. And... Um, you know, we uh, we kind of both agreed that it, it was a major, a major, a majorly stupid thing to do. But you know, that's that's how people have to want to run their lives. Anyway, uh, uh, the, the wreck of that Marquette vessel, I always thought that it may have uh, gone down, and then the coastline over the years kind of overgrew it. And uh, it may be just under the shoreline on, I think, on the Canadian side. But uh, I don't know if that's, that's the record. That's a different record. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, you're right. It, that, that is a real mystery, what happened to it. I mean, I, you can understand what happened to it because those, those type of vessels were really – really uh, not built to, to sail in rough seas. I mean, they just weren't, uh, you know. No, you know, they, they, they were not. They No, they absolutely were not. First of all, the the center of gravity was subject to how well the cars were actually attached to the track. And you know, and I know, that metal fatigue and fracturing, if you're in heavy seas and you've got a railroad car, that it's it doesn't take much to break metal. No, no, not at all. And I mean, uh, it, it's just, it, it's it, it's incredible to uh, think that these guys would even sail, even even knowing the wind direction and, and a falling barometer would give me pause if I was a, a a captain back then. But a lot of them were were told you sail your vessel because that's your job and you've got to do it. You know, and uh, well, yeah, because because uh, captains. Um, 
captains who didn't sail in heavy weather uh, found themselves out of a job. Yeah, that's that's true. Even even going back to the Edmund Fitzgerald, I mean, even that that was that in the modern day, and they probably knew a little bit more about the weather than back in the turn of the last century. But still, they sailed. I mean, the the one vessel that was uh, that was uh, sailing with the Fitzgerald, the Anderson. Uh, yeah, the Anderson, Arthur M. Anderson, was it? They, yep. they made it. They made it in, and and. and uh, Fitzgerald didn't, but uh, that's that's another story. That, that's that's nobody's ever going to really find out what happened there. Well, okay, actually, I beg to differ. Um, there are two theories as to what brought the Edmund mm-hmm. Fitzgerald uh, down. Number one is that the hatch covers were not properly attached and that as a result, it took in water into the hold, the 26,000 tons of uh, taconite pellets, and mm-hmm. it you know, it basically got heavy in the water and just sank because it was too heavy. And the other uh, theory is that, uh, uh, let's see, there, there's one theory from the Coast Guard, there's another theory from the Lake Carrier Association, and basically each of them basically tries to poo-poo the other. But... Even though the wreck has been found, the wreck has been documented, we don't know and we never will know exactly why the Edmund Fitzgerald went down. You know, there's a third alternative to that that I've heard, that, that, it, it, that it was simply metal fatigue and they they broke. Like the, like the song says, they broke deep and took water, you know? Well, yeah, and there's there's a theory. The other theory that was put out, I think, by the Lake Carriers Association was that uh, they were near um, an island, and I don't remember the name of an island, and it wasn't charted properly, uh, the beacon wasn't working properly, and the bottom plates got knocked out because they touched bottom, and that's how the hold got filled with water. But we're never going to know. No exactly what brought the Edmund Fitzgerald to the bottom of Lake Superior. Yeah. As far as Amelia Earhart goes, uh, that, that image that's uh, been on uh, Facebook, that's really compelling, I have to admit. I mean, it, it, it's symmetrical like an aircraft, especially uh, the, uh, the, the, the back part of the aircraft. It looks like the two tail fins are very symmetrical, and uh, in the shape of the wings in that, it's, but then again, it could be just rocks. You never, you don't even know. It won't, it won't know until they get there. And that's down deeper than the Titanic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, th- again, as excited, and the reason I'm doing this show, by the way, and I just did a show on what mystery would you most like so- uh, found uh, discovered. Um, the reason I'm doing this is the alleged discovery of Amelia Earhart's aircraft. And again, okay. I'm embarrassed to say this on the air, but I think uh, our donors and people have a right to know that we thought and we had all we had all of the preliminary evidence to indicate that we'd found the resting place of the founder of Williamsville, Jonas Williams, uh, his mother, a child, and an unknown Williamsville pioneer. We had the subsurface soil anomalies consistent with the size and direction of graves. We had the documentation, and we struck out. So that's why, as excited as I am about the side-scan sonar images of the alleged Lockheed that Amelia Earhart was flying with Fred Noonan, um, I will have to wait until further review, like an NFL game. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be kind of if it pans out, it'll be kind of nice to kind of bring it to a conclusion after so many decades, you know. So, of course, if they don't find human remains in the aircraft, it will still be a mystery. Did she make well, a successful be- water landing, and did they try to swim to the island? Well, you know, again, I think by this time there probably wouldn't be too much on the on the order of human remains, but if they can identify the aircraft. For sure. All they need is a molar. All they need is a molar, sir. And they might be able to do the DNA testing. The Earhart family, the survivors of it, they're all for this guy going after it. Oh, sure they are. I can understand that completely. Yeah, I would be too. So... I mean, right. in, in our in our family, we have a guy who went missing during Prohibition. He was a World War One veteran. It sounds like Boardwalk Empire, but he was a World War One veteran. And the family rumor is he got tied up in the rackets, and uh, he just kind of went missing and was never found again. He's probably in your backyard. Oh gosh, well, I got that could be part of my own family's uh, situation going way back too. But uh, hey. I get a different story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just it, it is it is what it is. But uh, it's good to speak with somebody who has a lingering uh, interest or perhaps a festering interest in uh, shipwrecks of the Great Lakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's uh, hope that uh, if the uh, oh, the Amelia Earhart thing pans out, we can do a show and uh, get people's reactions. So, yeah, you know what though? Here's the problem: it's been 86 years or whatever. Nobody cares. Uh, I mean, the, the people who care, care, but I would bet you most Generation Z people, Amelia Earhart, yeah, okay, she's dead, so what? Yeah, yeah well. But it's a, it's a mystery. Yeah, well, well that's, uh, I, I like the study of history, I guess that's what, that's what motivates me to kind of look in on these things, so. Now, Craig, thank you kindly. I appreciate the call and the interest in the topic. Here is uh, Tom in Lackawanna on WBEN. Tom, hello. Hello, Mr. Bauer Lee. I got a little handful here. A few are definitely, well, no names to a certain generation. You, I'm sure you've probably heard of a few. I have a local one, too. I don't know if you would, it's been like almost 50 years, a local person disappeared. But I don't know if you would want the name or not. To me, it's like it's been so long, I don't really think it matters. But that's your call. Um, did you tell my screener? No, I didn't. I didn't tell him the local person's name. I told him the uh, the more known, famous names. <laughs> uh, well, there have been a number of very famous local disappearances. Um, I think I know of whom you're speaking. Does the Pierce Arrow figure into the story? It may. Uh, somebody that worked in the food and beverage business, but I'm not sure about that one. Yeah, unless it's something I've heard of, I'd prefer you stay away from that because if there are family members listening and I don't know what the story is, then I don't want to open up any fresh wounds. Yeah, it was a couple of years after being compared to the Hoffa thing, but that's okay. But I'll throw the one famous name at you top of the list to me. There's a couple of musicians, but the one famous one I actually mentioned was George Reeves. Oh, the guy who played Superman. Yes, it was a love triangle. He was pretty drunk that night or whatever, and, you know, the the story goes down. He shot himself in the head and thought he was Superman, but, you know, it never was solved. That It was a love triangle. He was involved with a woman with the last name of Mannix, apparently, who was going with some mob person or whatever, apparently, and that, to me, was never cleared up either. Well, okay, you mentioned you mentioned the mob. Here's Here's a mystery. Who killed 
Benjamin Siegel, Bugsy, the founder of Las Vegas, and Meyer Lansky's good buddy. Who killed him? Was it an enraged husband of a woman he was boffing, or was it actually a mob hit? Now, what year was that? I know I read some things 47, about it. 1947. Yeah, see, George, yeah, George Reeves was 59. So, yeah, I know more about the George Reeves thing either way. How about, how about Bob Crane? They actually yeah, yeah. tried a guy in the murder of Bob Crane from Hogan's Heroes, but there was no conviction. Right, and the two musicians I mentioned were, I believe, Bobby Fuller, I Fought the Law, and uh, Del Shannon. I don't know if that one was ever solved or not either. Uh, I thought Del Shannon killed himself. Th- that's what I'm saying. I think there was a question to that for years, and whether there still is or not, I don't know. But uh, Bobby Fuller, for uh, that guy, and uh, like I said, George Reeves to this day, uh, you know, to me, that was never cleared up what I read of it anyway. The Bobby Fuller Four. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. recall any. I fought uh, the law. The big hit was I, 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 I know the, the song. Uh, obviously, right. I fought the law. And the... Yes, um, yes, Mr. Musician, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, not clearly not a singer. Uh, Bobby Fuller died under mysterious circumstances in 1966. His body was found beaten inside his car, outside his Hollywood home. Uh, the yeah, evidence... you're reading that now, yeah. Yeah, the evidence suggested that he had ingested gasoline, uh, but many of his friends suspected he may have been murdered by mobsters. Um, well, wow, go, I'm not yeah. really, I'm not really familiar with that one. And uh, yeah, Del, I, I, I was always under the impression that Del Shannon offed himself because he basically became a no one after hit songs like Runaway. Actually, he did a couple Beatle covers, and I think they actually did one of his, and I couldn't tell you which one right now. But, uh, like I said, there was a question about that, too, as far as I remember reading about it. But whether they actually uh, proved it was suicide or not, that I couldn't say. But Bobby Fuller was never uh, proven either way, I guess. And George Reeves, like I said, to this day, his real name was George uh, Brewer, I think it was. Uh... Um. I, I I don't recall. I I I just I don't know. Um, that was yeah. That was the whole story. But know, Bobby Fuller, or, I'm yeah. sorry, Del Shannon uh, was was he was depressed enough that they put him on Prozac, and the theory is that he was one of those people for whom Prozac exacerbated the symptoms of depression. Now, is that true? I don't know. I'd like to know who killed Dorothy Kilgallen, because yeah, Dorothy Kilgallen. Right was a very famous journalist, and she told friends that I have broken the Kennedy assassination. She actually got an interview with Jack Ruby. And not only did Dorothy Kilgallen uh, allegedly die of an accidental overdose, but interestingly, a friend she had told about the story died shortly thereafter. But of course, our government would never kill anybody. Yeah, well, that's right. But one of those, the whole group of people, witnesses to the Kennedy thing and everything, somebody mysteriously died, apparently. Oh, you read know, hit list. But Richard, Richard Belzer, the late Richard Belzer, wrote a book with somebody else called Hit List. And when you read that, you, you just, you understand, I've talked about this before, you understand what bogus uh, the whole Oswald did it, and nobody else was involved. You realize what it was because the odds of so many people 
dying, and they died, as I pointed out many times, in clusters around the Warren Commission investigation, around the Garrison investigation, and the House Select Committee on Assassinations investigation. They all died in clusters. Like, we can't let the truth get out because then people will realize that presidential elections, congressional elections, senatorial elections are a sham and that the government is a sham and the country is run by a bunch of people whose names we don't even know other than the collective of deep state. Well, it's really getting political now, but I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with you there. But, you know, really, four down and how many to go and miss Kilgallen? You know, that's actually on in reruns early in the morning on one of the uh, antenna stations. They show the old black and white game show, and Miss Kilgallen is one of the panelists. Yes, she was, but she was more than that. She was a uh, quite uh, accomplished journalist. Uh, Thank you very much. I appreciate the call very much. All right, uh, so you've got a whole handful of, uh, of things. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, there are some local mysteries, but the problem is um, I don't, like, locally, I know this show's heard on the Internet in various places, but um, I guess I don't really want to open up any old wounds, um, and i got to be, I, I don't know, I just want to be sensitive to that. Um, I, I can think of two disappearances, one of which... Like, everybody knows who did it, but there wasn't enough evidence. Actually, two of them. Everybody knows who did it or has a reasonable suspicion who did it, but not enough actual evidence that could be admitted into a trial. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Why not just play the theme from Superman while you're at it, dude? Bobby Fuller for awesome song. And, you know, the thing about Del Shannon, he had such awesome songs. And his most popular was Runaround. And Runaround was so influential on so many people, the Traveling Wilburys did a version of Runaround. I mean, when Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, Jeff Lynne, and George Harrison say, did I leave out Roy Orbison? And Roy Orbison, when they all say, hey, this is an awesome song, we have to do a cover of it, it's too bad Del Shannon wasn't alive to actually uh, hear that play out, literally. Uh, 803-0930, star 930, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Like, I know, Tanner, that in 15 years, somebody's going to do the fart show, and I won't be around to hear it. Um, let's – Lisa Polizzi just loves whenever I mention that epic moment in broadcasting. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Joe Beamer. It's at the Buffalo Auto Show. Joe. Well, Tom, I got good news. Lisa's not listening, so <laughs> we're, we're in the clear. We're in the clear. No, nah, but uh, Wenger is because Wenger <laughs> never puts the radio down. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. We are back here at the auto show. We did not get the Lambo last, uh, last time we did the vet, so the Lambo will be the next uh, break. I'll talk about that. We are joined by John Maddoxon of Buffalo Solar. John, uh, is this your first auto show? This is not my first auto okay. show. I have no. to ask everyone that question because it's my first auto show. Okay. So Buffalo Sol- Solar, what do you guys uh, do? 
basically we specialize in commercial solar installations. So we deal with local and we are now also branching out into other states throughout the United States to do solar installation. That's great to hear. All these businesses we're talking to, they start in Buffalo and they're branching out. We love to hear that. Uh, so when you t say solar, you mean? Uh, we specialize in rooftop solar installations. So there are residential solar installations on homes. You see solar fields. We kind of play in the middle. Okay. So we like to be on top of the roof. Uh, we will do ground mount installations for businesses so that they could at some point uh, own their energy. All right. Now, when the roof, because you, know, you see this, you can tell when a roof has solar. Uh, what, what does that, how do I phrase this question? So I'm, I want to have solar on my roof. Is that 100% now running off the solar energy? The roof's running off the solar energy the, or the building? The building, the off, build off the solar panels on the roof. Yeah, we're looking to offset the, uh, the electricity uh, that uh, buildings are utilizing off of the utilities. So what we do is when we look at a, build a business, we take a look at their consumption, we want to try to build the system so that this way, in time, we are offsetting their consumption of energy from the grid. So hypothetically, they become their own power plant on their roof. Now it's, you know, I always see, okay, the sun's out, obviously at night the sun's not. These solar panels, they store that energy, how does that work? Solar panels actually draw in the energy, okay? And then that energy is actually pushed back to the grid. So in turn, you're still hooked up to, whether it's NYSEG or uh, National Grid, but you are now generating your own energy, so therefore you are now getting credits so that now you are, your bill is gonna be uh, offset by the power that you're producing. Beautiful, beautiful, we love to hear that. Where do you see in 10 years solar energy being? Is it, get, I mean, is it already being more places, more residential, more businesses? And in 10 years, what's the growth of this look like? Well, you take a look at what the, the United States has done, you look at what the local governments have done, and uh, they've incentivized businesses so much uh, over the last 10 to 15 years that they've made it much easier for businesses to acquire solar projects. So if you look back in time, no, solar wasn't talked about as much. Now you're starting to see solar becoming much more uh, talked about. It's being put in front of businesses much more often. And now we're here at the Buffalo Auto Show. We're in the energy zone. And if you look back 10 years ago, there might have been one electric car uh, as a concept where now I'm being surrounded by an electric car from just about every manufacturer. And with electric cars comes the need for EV charging stations. With EV charging stations, that draws more power. Right. So now what we're here to do is we're here to educate dealers on how to offset that, become their own power plant right on top of their own roofs, and basically prepare for the future. That's amazing. That's amazing. John, uh, you know, I had it already, John. John Maddoxon. Yes. From Buffalo Solar. Uh, you can go to buffalosolar.com. You can also call. Uh, is this a, a business number? That is my personal number. And uh, I will not give that out on the that's air. That's okay. Never mind. Uh, so <laughs> buffalosolar.com. John Maddoxon, you'll be here all weekend? We will be here all weekend, uh, all the way through Sunday. All right. I, I think that's awesome what you said. You know, hey, we need these charging stations. Let's not run up the energy bill. Let's find another way to do it. I think that's awesome. Hey, yes. Joe, I've got uh, some questions. Again, we're here to talk to every dealership, help them uh, release themselves from the lifetime lease they have you know, with the utilities and uh, eventually prepare for the future. Tom Bowerly has a few questions for you. So yeah, I've got some questions. Number one, we haven't seen the sun since yesterday morning for about 10 seconds, number one. <laughs> number two, what happens in the wintertime when the snow covers the solar panels? And number three, the tax breaks. All right, so number one, we haven't seen the sun since yesterday. True. 
Number two, when the snow covers the solar panels, the issues, and number three, the tax breaks. So we build our systems knowing that the Buffalo area is going to have some peak times of production and some down times of production. Typically what happens is the solar setups are going to overproduce in the spring and the summer. And what that does is it creates credits that go back towards your bill. We understand and so do our engineers understand that the solar setups are not gonna produce as much in the winter months. So therefore during those months, you're gonna be utilizing your credits. To answer your question about the snow, a lot of cases the panels are going to be tilted. So therefore, with enough sun and with enough time where it's not snowing, that snow will simply just fall off of the panels. Uh, they require very little maintenance. And again, we build the systems knowing that. And the tax uh, tax breaks, tax credits? Oh, Maria. Right now, it's probably never been better for a business to get involved. Right now, you, we are one of a very few installers that qualify for the NYSERDA rebates. Uh, that's a direct rebate that comes directly to the installer, uh, doesn't even affect the customer's pocket, it just simply lowers the cost uh, of their project. Also, there are federal credits as well, called the federal ITC uh, credits, where customers can take advantage of tax credits by putting a solar system in place. You can claw back one year, and you can go forward six more years to be able to take advantage of those tax credits. In addition, those companies that qualify can also get depreciation credits. So when you put a solar setup in place, you can depreciate that system, usually 60% in the first year, give the rest of it to your accountant, let them figure out how they want to do it from there forward. But there are a lot of incentives for businesses, and New York State, along with the federal government, have made it much easier. Awesome. He is John Maddoxon, buffalosolar.com, and he'll be here all week, uh, all weekend at the auto show. Tom, uh, checking in, we'll talk about that Lamborghini in the next segment. Well, Joe, I'll look forward to that, but I'm just wondering, after five decades doing this, what my level of depreciation has been. Um, Joe Beamer will chat with you following the news at 4 on News Radio 930 WBEN from the Buffalo Auto Show. So this Amelia Earhart story, you cannot get away with it. This dude who used to be Air Force Intelligence and who somehow still has his brains about him. They didn't scramble him before he was discharged. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, not that that would ever happen, of course. But anyway, uh, he thinks he might have found Amelia Earhart's plane and the preliminary images are promising but they're preliminary images and as I've told you before look I, I've dealt with a situation myself where the initial data looked like hey we made a major discovery and then once you get down there it's like uh, uh, Al Capone's vault hello so what mystery do you want most to see solved in your lifetime uh, I hope they do solve the Amelia Earhart mystery and if they don't find any human remains, it will always be a question mark. Did they survive impact? Were the remains completely devoured by uh, water um, uh, organisms? And at that depth of, uh, of the sea, it's very cold. So there might even be a chance that there's uh, some kind of recognizable human remains of Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan. Uh, just as there are on the Edmund Fitzgerald. I've seen pictures of some of the bodies. You can pot Joe down from the auto show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's uh, very interesting to me. Clearly a morbid man. Um, let's go to uh, Kate in Chautauqua County. Kate, you have some mysteries because uh, we're ta everybody's talking about this Amelia Earhart thing. You've got some mysteries that you would like to see cleared up. So let it rip. Well... <laughs> As a place in Chautauqua County that averages 206 inches of snow each winter, I hope 
uh, <laughs> I hope Punxsutawney Phil does not see the sun tomorrow because that means an early spring. But back you to Amelia. Please, please tell me you don't believe in that <laughs> groundhog nonsense. Dunkirk Dave, Punxsutawney Phil. It's just an excuse for people to do day drinking. That's it. Uh, moving on to Amelia Earhart. <laughs> Um, first of all, the spelling of her last name, when I was growing up hearing about her, I always thought it was A-I-R. You know, that would make more sense, right? Air, air, you know, fine. Yep. Anyway, yep. Tom, um, what, uh, have, what have you ever heard was the reason for the flight in the first place? I'm hearing a government mission or just to make news. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? Well, I don't, I don't think it's a matter of opinion. Uh, she wanted to fly around the world to be, I think, the first woman to pilot a plane around the world. But I always thought heard that there was some sort of government uh, reason behind that. Anyway, moving on, um, Dor- I'm glad you brought up Dorothy Kilgallen. She, um, I think there was a book a couple years ago uh, regarding the mystery behind her death Marilyn Monroe, and I don't know, Jack Ruby, RFK, JFK. But I'm really interested wow. in Marilyn Monroe. She's involved with with the Kennedy brothers. Right. And I've never believed, Tom, that, you know, they, they the Kennedy family was uh, zeroing in on her because she was, I think she was wanting to, I don't know, go more public, whatever. But what is your opinion of the death of Marilyn Monroe? You know, I've I've seen the documentary um, on Netflix about the death of Marilyn Monroe. I have heard, and it's portrayed in the documentary, that uh, Robert Kennedy made a rather clandestine trip when he was attorney general to uh, Los Angeles uh, the night uh, Marilyn Monroe was killed. Uh, or, I'm sorry, the night she committed suicide. Um, why, I'm just kind of curious, Kate, why is the death of Marilyn Monroe such a source of fascination to you, and what do you believe happened, and why do you believe it happened? I have no idea other than the fact that there's so much conspiracy going on with simply the assassination of JFK and he has a brother RFK and there's Marilyn Monroe and and I just don't know I, I don't even know if I believe who assassinated RFK oh well it wasn't Sirhan Sirhan it would have been impossible there you go. It, 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 well uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has said it was not Sirhan Sirhan it was his security guard Thane Cesar who interestingly worked for a defense contractor uh, defense contractors seem to, you know, they, they just seem to pop up in all of these assassination stories involving the Kennedys, but I digress. Um, and th- there's a very simple reason, because Sirhan Sirhan was able to fire like 12 shots from an eight-shot revolver uh, without reloading, which is a pretty amazing feat of gunmanship. <laughs> Number two, uh, the autopsy showed powder burns uh, on the back of Robert Kennedy's head. Sirhan Sirhan never got into that position that close to Robert Kennedy. So I don't doubt for a minute that the late Thane Cesar was the guy who 
got the fatal shot in on Robert Kennedy Sr., senator from New, from New York. Now, was he trying to return fire, or was he told, once the shooting starts, you just plug him in the back of the head because if Bobby Kennedy becomes president, he's going to unveil everything that happened to his brother because what you might not know is that the Kennedy family, shortly after the assassination, sent a friend to talk to Nikita Khrushchev, and they told Nikita Khrushchev, look, we know that you guys had nothing to do with killing JFK. We know it was an internal plot within our own government. And I have heard from two independent sources. Um, One of them I will name because uh, death has released me from my vow of silence. Morton Downey Jr. I knew Morton Downey Jr. I hung out with Morton Downey Jr. And he used to hang out with the Kennedys. And he just said very openly, the Kennedys know the CIA played a role in killing JFK. Um, So that's that's pretty interesting. And I've also heard that from somebody else who is quite close to the Kennedy family. Uh, as far as Marilyn Monroe, I don't, I don't know. Uh, to me, that's an open question. I, I would need to see more evidence. But Marilyn Monroe was a very troubled and tortured soul, just like Heath Ledger was a very troubled and tortured soul. Entertainment and being in the ent- uh, entertainment industry can really wipe you out, Okay. Um, it, it can wipe you out. People expect you to be at the top of your game every single night. You're on a grueling tour, and you know you find yourself hooked on coke just in order to perform at the level you are expected to perform. Uh, Marilyn Monroe, um, again, a very troubled and tortured soul. So was it accidental? Was it intentional? I I have no idea. Now, as far as motive in, uh, is concerned, I've heard people say that Marilyn Monroe was going to basically publicly say, hey, I'm banging JFK, which would have been a huge scandal because it was the 1960s. It wasn't Monica Lewinsky's blue dress. It was Jackie Kennedy, and everybody loved Jackie Kennedy. So that would have probably been a – JFK might have bowed out of the race in 64 – because remember, he didn't expect to be to be whacked. So, but I don't I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I mean, there are interesting theories out there. But it is funny that when you watch some of the documentaries, a lot of people who would know a lot more about it, they still don't want to talk about it. Hmm. <laughs> uh, hold on, if you want to add, if you have something else, uh, a mystery that you want solved, uh, because uh, we're doing this show. Uh, you can put her on hold, please. Um, Tanner Saunders behind the glass um we're doing this show on mysteries even though i just did a show on mysteries because this amelia Earhart story is everywhere it's on your cell phone it's on tv it's everywhere and it's really funny because probably before this story broke most millennials had no idea who or what amelia Earhart was uh tanner saunders does because he at 23 um, he's a very bright young man with a keen interest in history and the human condition, which is good because he has to work with me every day, and understanding the human condition is rather vital in that. It's Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Ah, uh, yes, hello, loves. It is uh, Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN on a Thursday. We might actually see the sun sometime in our lifetimes. You know, the cloud cover is at 500 feet can you say dreary good lord 
but there's some positivity in the air. And for that, we go to the Buffalo Auto Show live. The good-looking one, Joe Beamer. Uh, Tom, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, we are back here at the Auto Show. Yeah, you was... appreciate it all the way to HR. <laughs> 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 we did not get to drive the Lambo yet, so I keep teasing that, but it's going to happen. We're going to get a video. Not drive it. Get in the driver's seat. Uh, we'll get a video of that. But we are joined now by Trooper James O'Callaghan. Uh, James, good, good afternoon. Good afternoon. This, it's nice to be talking when it's not, you know, two feet of snow outside. That is the best news. Yeah. yeah normally I have to call or we, tell, yeah, we make those phone calls, road and weather, but here we are. Look at the... Look at the sea of cars in front of us. This is a good scenario, right? This is amazing. My first ever auto show. I keep on bringing that up. So, hey, Joe. Joe, forgive, yes. my, interu- forgive my interruption, but uh, James's mic has to be potted up a bit. All right. How about there? All right. Uh, first ever. I didn't have your mic up uh, high enough. Oh, there we go. Are we good now? There we go. They always call oh, me a loudmouth, too, so I'm surprised. <laughs> We're doing behind-the-scenes stuff on the air. Sorry. <laughs> now, when you walk into this auto show, first thing you notice is that fancy New York State Police car. It's shining. It looks great. It is one of our staples, right? Everyone knows it, whether uh, good or bad. Yes. <laughs> so, but yes, we have that here. It's one of the things that people can get in, check that out. We get a lot of police car vehicle questions. It is the Buffalo Auto Show, so it makes sense. But not only that, but we have car seat technicians, car seats, and we're able to display that. We got a lot of grandparents, new parents, and people that transport, you know, kids around, maybe friends of kids. But one of the things that we can show you how to install and we can set up installs, and it's cool to just sit in an actual police car that when you're not under arrest. We're yeah. not in trouble, I, I guess. Say, I've, I've been in a police car, and that was not a cool experience, so maybe <laughs> I'll have to go sit in the one downstairs just to... Yes. Um, now, you talk about the, the car seats, because as a new parent, that is like the, the thing you don't realize you really need to be on top of is installing that car seat base, and you guys will show the right way to do it? No, absolutely. We will actually, free a service, you can go to any one of our stations by appointment, and go and we'll set up that whole car seat scenario. We'll bring your seat, we'll install it for you, show you things, we'll explain how it works, the laws, what seats are good, what seats aren't for your child. Um, everything's a little different, but the law kind of is based off of age and not as much weight of the seat. And just as an FYI, car seats uh, have an age limit. So when they're in direct sunlight or the, the, the buckles can only unhook and hook so many times, but the car seat in direct sunlight, it uh, diminishes the, the structure of the actual plastic and the elasticity of the seat itself. So That's good to know. Yeah. So don't buy them from a garage sale is what we're trying to you know yeah, say. Don't I, buy don't buy a seat from a garage sale. I have learned, as cheap as I am, I've learned <laughs> the good thing, it's to, good to spend money on your children. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Now, uh, obviously you get the car questions, but you said you get some gun questions. Yeah, we actually get quite a few gun questions here at the show. Um, and anywhere we go, to be honest with you. So one of the things is pistol permit laws. Where is it? Uh, is it okay to carry here versus there? Uh, we get we get questions on what caliber. What's your favorite gun? Or what's this? Or what do you you know recommend? Um, but it does make sense when it comes to the laws and the different things. And we obviously use three weapon sets, and we're able to answer a lot of those questions for people. And we're you know I'm a firearms instructor for the New York State Police as well, so I have a lot of that information ready to go. And it's a very common question in Western New York. A lot of people have their pistol permits, so it's a very common question that we get at a lot of these shows or even fairs. You ever have someone walk in and say, why did you pull me over? I was only going five miles over the speed limit. Um, I've had someone say, I remember years ago before you were on the TV, you came to a domestic and that, and I was like, uh, you know, and I'm in the moment I'm like, I don't remember, but, <laughs> but I have had people say never five miles an hour. You know, I was always, 
my grace and leniency to the people uh, was much more than five I miles didn't, an I hour. I didn't know that was uh, common knowledge. I <laughs> yes. Mean, if a police officer, me specifically. Let's just thought, you know what I mean? I've had an officer tell me it was if you're nine and below, you're fine. Ten and over, you're mine or something like that. Nine and below, you're good to go. Okay. Yeah. Ten. I mean, it depends. It depends. It depends on the scenario, a lot of circumstances. depends on your car. I mean, is there like three illegal things going on at the same time and you're speeding? I mean, you take all that into consideration. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, we could Tom. We could take over Tom's show and start talking about oh. all the tickets I've got. Oh, Tom! I mean, I think, Tom I think has reached out and actually wanted to do a show with something like this. I think. I think uh, James O'Callaghan needs to do a warrant check on Joe Beamer personally. I think that would be fascinating. He says you need to do a warrant check uh, on me. But oh, it's done. <laughs> I, I have. I have a question though. I, if if I can butt in here, I have yeah. a question. Well, Tom, let okay. me give him my headphones. Let me give him my headphones. Now, here okay. we go. All right, Trooper James O'Callaghan with the uh, New York State Police. I'm on with the legend. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what comes after legend? Corpse. Uh, but um, <laughs> I, I have a, uh, I have a question for you. Okay, you're a 25-year-old trooper. Your first gig is in Troop B, Malone, New York. It's minus 50 degrees, and you have an electric troop car. How confident are you you're going to make it to the call and back? Well, we don't have electric troop cars, and yep. I, uh, I've never drove one, but I don't know if I'd be confident. I don't know the city. I mean, obviously the cold, and uh, if anyone ever been to the Adirondacks or that area knows there's nothing there. Uh, you can drive for a very long time and only see animals and birds. So the fact of the matter is you have to be very mindful of that, but like anything, you have to make sure that the car is capable in the area you work to sustain that, you know, the, the elements, really. Well, your nearest backup's only 40 miles away. Na- naturally, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> typically how it is up there. Uh, you know, that's a lot of people's first station. It's funny, when you started this scenario, you're like, okay, you're a 25-year-old trooper, and you're stationed at, and that was me, but I wasn't up there because <laughs> I did better on the test, so I went to uh, Binghamton area. So, oh, well. Yeah, so, you know, kudos to being a little smarter, I guess. But At least you got the, to work with uh, the Sheriff's Department's Chris Moss. Yes, yes. Now, I mean, we're going back mm, 18 years ago. So, but it was a good time. But like I said, the uh, the, the cars we have are great. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do down the road when it comes to state police vehicles. And this isn't just state police. This is everywhere. It's beyond my you know level of uh, of things that I'm in charge of. But I'm curious to see now that Dodge not doing the Charger, which, by the way, is the best patrol vehicle I think we've ever had, the all-wheel dive Dodge Charger. It turns on a dime. It's very reliable. Uh, we live in Buffalo with this crazy weather we get. What are, what are we at, Tom, like eight months of winter at this point? So we uh, it handles great in all elements. So I'm curious to see, is the New York State Police or even other law enforcement agencies, where we're going to go as Dodge stops making their police package vehicle? Um. I'm thinking maybe horse and buggies, like 1917, when you guys we started. We did that. We did that, but straws expensive, so <laughs> we transitioned to cars. Uh, I was going to make a fecal joke about uh, the higher brass, but I think I'll defer out of respect to you. That was one of I'll my put... favorite shows. I'm not going to lie; we we're just talking about it, but we'll <laughs> will... we'll defer. We'll we'll move on. I hear we'll you. We'll demur on that one. <laughs> I'll put you back to Joe Beamer, and I'll shut up. All right, you're the best. Take care. Joe? All right, Tom. Tom, we we will uh, we'll be back after the bottom of the hour news, and uh, I will be updating my uh, Lamborghini drive. All righty, uh, thank you, Joe Beamer at the uh, Buffalo Auto Show with uh, Trooper James O'Callaghan. Um, Malone, by the way, 
is like the least favorite posting for any new trooper. And then if you're from Buffalo, you basically have to kiss a lot of you need to work your way back to Western New York. Uh, but anyway, and let's not forget our COs either. Um, you people who are in charge of handling some of the most heinous criminals in our state institutions, my everlasting respect. I don't know how you do it. That would be the least favorite job in the world. I know some people who do that. Uh, well, Rambo Jim did it. You, you saw, you've heard what happened to Rambo Jim. I mean, come on. Uh, but as <laughs> But as far as uh, law enforcement, I mean, it takes a special sort to want to do it in 2024. It really does. And uh, again, you know, kudos to those of you who do it. And everybody who does it says the same thing. Yeah, once my 20 are in, I'm out. I'm done. Enough of this. Anyway, hi. Uh, we're talking about mysteries. Yeah, one of the mysteries. In 2024, why would anybody want to be a cop? Well, the benefits are great. The pay is really good for a state trooper. Um, but uh, the potential for all kinds of uh, uh, mishaps, including line-of-duty deaths, uh, my cousin was a cop in, uh, I think it was Tempe, Arizona, and he was doing just a routine vehicle and traffic stop, and he got hit by a car, was never the same, and died uh, as a result, eventually, of his injuries or complications from the injuries. Um, I mean, I call it a line of duty death. I'm not sure if he's uh, in the Officer Down Memorial page or not, but uh, true story. Anyway, it is uh, 18 and a half minutes after 4 at News Radio 930 WBEN. So we've been talking about uh, mysteries you would like to see solved. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, did he fire six shots or only five? I'll tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself, but. Being that this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Anyway, uh, mysteries we're talking about because of the Amelia Earhart thing is all... You can't turn on a TV without seeing a side-scan sonar image of something that looks an awful lot like the Lockheed Airplane... Amelia Earhart and Fred Noonan were in as they tried to uh, circumnavigate the globe in the early days of aviation. Um, uh, Jack the Ripper has come up. Who was Jack the Ripper? And can I tell you 100% no, but I did mention to our first caller that I have seen um, a panel discussion featuring geographical profilers, criminal profilers, and a whole bunch of people with experience in cold cases, and they all had a consensus opinion. It was this Polish-Jewish immigrant named Aaron Kosminski. And interestingly enough, DNA testing of a shawl found at one of the murder scenes, and its provenance, its provenance is uh, somewhat dubious, but I mean, what are the chances that Aaron Kosminski's DNA would be found on that shawl. Um, it's not listed in the evidence, but it is kind of interesting. Uh, I do believe there's a pretty good chance it was Aaron Kosminski, uh, and so did, by the way, the investigators uh, at the time. They had a list of about five uh, possible highly regarded suspects, as in, hey, we think he's a guy. Now we think he's a guy. But Kosminski was right there at the top of uh, one of the big investigators of that case. So I think they might have solved it, but I'd like to see the victims exhumed and maybe there was a stray hair from the assailant behind that they could run DNA testing on. Um, 
there certainly aren't any teeth left behind and hair. It look it, it depends on I mean bodies. Some bodies you can dig them up after two hundred years; they look like they died today. And other bodies turn to goo in about a week. Um, anyway, sorry for that vivid description. I think I'll turn to goo about two minutes after the show. You know, there's a couple of other mysteries uh, that haven't come up. Obviously, look, you know how fascinated I am with the Kennedy assassination. And this is from a guy who actually believed the Warren report up until 1989. And then the more I looked into it and I realized, you talk about reasonable doubt as to who Lee Oswald really was, it's all over the place. And as Senator Schweiker once said, he was a big shot senator in the 1970s, he said... Everywhere you look with this guy, he's got the fingerprints of the American intelligence community all over him. And he does. And he did. And I don't believe for a minute that Oswald killed Kennedy. I do believe it was conspiracy. I do believe it came from within our own government in part. I do believe it came from Cuban exiles and probably had a mob component as well, as evidenced by the deaths of Sam Gincana and Johnny Roselli during the House Select Committee on Assassinations investigations in the late 70s. And, you know, we hear about the day the music died. I believe that November 22nd, 63, when JFK was killed, was the day this country died. And the day politics in America became kabuki theater and the country's really run by a cabal of people we'll never hear about. I'm just I'm just saying Um, mysteries I'd like to see solved. Definitely the Roswell crash. Definitely the Roswell crash. Um, I'm you know what? And I, I just get back to the book, The Day After Roswell, by Philip J. Corso, who is a military big shot. And he says in the book, I saw the alien bodies, which corroborates what the uh, Air Force uh, dude said about the flying disc before the uh, military quickly pulled that story. Um, oh, it was a weather balloon. Right. I believe that. Sure, I do. Uh, And that doesn't explain the Phoenix Lights either, which is another mystery I'd like to see solved, which involves unidentified aerial phenomena. And isn't it interesting how piece by piece um, videos are released that kind of show that, you know what, there's stuff up there and we know it ain't of terrestrial origin. I do believe piece by piece they're parceling out information because if they announced all at once, yeah, the aliens have been visiting us for a long time and our government actually has made deals with the aliens, and um, I think people might freak out. But then again, maybe they wouldn't. But if you tell them a little bit at a time, it's like that Mary McGregor song that we played the other day. Um, There are times when a woman has to say what's on her mind. In fact, Tanner, I think there's a correlation between that song we played the other day and the way the government is releasing information on aliens and unidentified aerial phenomena because flying saucers just sounds too anachronistic in 2024. And I believe you need to play that song coming back from the break. I've got other mysteries, <clears throat> excuse me, that I would like to see solved. For example, I, met, I mentioned before in a very lengthy descant, the uh, Marquette and Bessemer number 2, the holy grail of Great Lakes shipwrecks, and it's within about 100 miles of us here in Buffalo, New York, maybe a little more than 100 miles. But anyway, you get the point. Say what's on her mind. 
See, this is how the government Even though she knows how much it's gonna hurt. is slowly releasing info about the aliens. Before I say another word, let me tell you I love you. Reassurance. Let me hold you close and say these words as gently as I can. There's been another alien. You should be the next one. There's been another man that I've needed. I call BS. And he knows he can't possess me. And he knows he never will. There's just this empty place inside of me that only he can fill. Alright, so that's that's how the government is slowly releasing information about aliens. <laughs> Sorry. My mind works in really weird ways. Sometimes I don't know if it's madness or brilliance, to be honest with you. Um, maybe both. Um, let's go to Joe Beamer at the Buffalo Auto Show. Joe. Tom, hello. Uh, we're going to have some pictures online of me in the Lamborghini. Let me tell you, that was one of the most fun experiences um, of my career here at WBEN. So I just want to say it, it ranks right next to being able to spend three days with you. I was going to say, I feel yeah, somewhat yeah. neglected now. No, no, you're, that's you know, still you up there. Me and, okay, well, thank you. <laughs> we are joined by Elizabeth Carey from the AAA. Uh, it is the auto show, and obviously when you get a car, Elizabeth, you need to think of insurance. You do, and so we have our insurance reps on standby here at the AAA booth, so if you need to find it, it's right next to where they're making those almonds that smell really good. So I was wondering what that was. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, you know, you get a car, usually the first thought is, oh, I'm just going to transfer it from one car to another. Does the type of car depend on what kind of coverage you should get? Yes, definitely, because it might be something different for, like, the Lamborghini, a specialty vehicle, to an SUV or a big truck. So it's definitely something to consider. When you come here and you look at these nice brand-new vehicles, talk to your insurance agent about what it's going to cost to insure it before you actually go through with the purchase. Let, and, you know, when you get a car, make sure you get that roadside assistance. You know how many times that saved me? Right, right. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes people will say, oh, I don't need AAA because I got this brand-new car and it came with roadside. But what happens is we get a lot of complaints and people say they didn't come fast enough or they weren't was responsive or they weren't professional and so they come back to AAA anyway. <laughs> well, I know nothing about cars as I've admitted. You know, this is cool to see cars, but I know nothing about it and you know, I couldn't even change a tire. And let me tell you, the amount of times I've had to call AAA and it turned out to just be a battery jump. I mean, it's it's good to have. Yeah, well, that's why we do the free battery testing, especially this time of year. If your car is like 3 to 5 years old, chances are you're going to need a new battery. So with the recent storm we had in the cold spell, which seems like a distant memory at this point, yeah. but a lot of people were like, you know, am I going to need my battery replaced? That's fine. But some also people thinking, like, I might want to get four-wheel drive or I might want to upgrade my vehicle. So that's why a lot of shoppers are coming out to the auto show to see what they can get. Also, you know, obviously you don't see it here, but older cars. Does that also change the kind of coverage you should get? Yes, definitely, because you're going to want to make sure uh, you have different coverage, and like maybe you won't don't want as much for an older vehicle because it's not worth it to replace it or to fix it if something ever did happen. You know what I mean? So that's something you have to take into consideration as far as those collision costs and more. And insurance costs are going up just like these sticker prices here. Oh, great! Thanks for yeah, the good news. I know <laughs> everything's going up, right? Let me tell you, driving a car that's almost ten years old and seeing all these newer cars. I mean, it just re reminds me of how old my car is. I, I, not that I want a new one yet. I'm just saying, like, these are all, I mean, 
I'll, I probably will never own a car that looks as shiny as these ones here. Well, aside from the smell of the roasting almonds, the new car smell is really good. And yes. It seems to go away really quickly once you know. You put the kids in the car and they throw the Cheerios around or you, you spill your coffee or whatever it might be. But um, what we're seeing is a lot of people looking at these electric vehicles, and that's a big part of the auto show here, too. So the AAA EV is actually downstairs in the energy zone, so we offer EV driving lessons. And one of the biggest surprises people have, they come in for a driving lesson in an electric vehicle, and they're like, is it running? Because there's no sound, there's no motor, it's all quiet. The people don't know if it's on or off. And some people are leaving them on, and then their batteries are dying. So you have to take that into consideration. Yeah, let me tell you, the EVs, you can't hear them when you're in a parking lot. Right. Like you're trying to walk, you're walking back to your car, and then you look behind you, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you there. Right, right. And they handle differently. So there's something to get used to. So it's kind of cool when people are coming in and saying, you know what, I want to take a driving lesson in an EV. Maybe I'm considering buying one, and I want to see if it's right for me. Yeah, I would have to do that because I've been told if I have an EV, I would get a ticket before I get out of the parking lot because of how quickly it accelerates. Right, right. And I mean, they do. They take right off. I drove um, when there was an Electrify Buffalo event one time, a Jeep Wrangler EV. It was the weirdest experience because you picture a Jeep. It's running. It's got yeah. a big motor. And, you're, and I'm like, this thing is so quiet. And I'm like at a stop sign, you know, and I'm like, it's it's so quiet. It's crazy. It takes some getting used to, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Elizabeth Carey from the AAA, you guys will be here all week. Oh, and yeah, through the whole weekend. All right. Make sure you visit the AAA and yeah, whatever smells really good. Make sure you get some of that as well. Uh, Tom, we are here at the auto show and uh, we've got two more hits in the five o'clock hour. And like I said, we'll be posting those pictures of me in the uh, Lambo very soon. Uh, we have people listening to my show who've already done 15 hits during the show, but I don't think they're talking about the car show. Uh, <laughs> thank you, fact, Tom. The auto show, the Buffalo auto show. Thank you to uh, Joe Beamer. And, Joe, you don't know this, but Elizabeth Carey used to be one of our news anchors at the old radio station and quite talented. And then she decided that she wanted a real job that actually paid. <laughs> you know, that does sound good, uh, but, uh, yeah, good for, uh, good for her. And uh, I'll tell her you said that. All right, absolutely. Uh, there's Joe Beamer at the Buffalo Auto Show. So I know I just did this topic not that long ago, but everywhere you go on TV, radio, the Internet, everybody is all goo-goo gaga over the possible finding after 80-plus years of the airplane flown by Amelia Earhart and navigated by Fred Noonan in the Pacific Ocean. And the preliminary sonar side scans seem to say, Looks an awful lot like an airplane. Not only that, it looks an awful lot like the Lockheed that Amelia Earhart was flying. So has the mystery been solved, at least as far as where the plane went down? And at the depth it is at, are there human remains that could be DNA testing for further confirmation? The Earhart family is all in favor of it, um, and so am I. Anytime you can solve a historical mystery, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, 803-0930, what is the mystery you most want solved? And I would love to see the uh, the whole alien thing solved because I absolutely believe that we are visited by aliens. Uh, enough people have seen enough weird things for me to say, yeah, there's something else out there. They know we're here. And who knows, maybe we're their science project. Who knows, maybe we're their meal farm, we're their meal worms. Uh, Soylent green, it's people. Uh, no, a cook, a cook, um, to serve man. It's a cookbook. Uh, let's go to uh, Twilight Zone reference. Uh, John in uh, Rochester. I'm sorry, Jen in Rochester. Hello, Jen. Hey, how are you? All right, so I have to, I kind of um, tend to get a hold of 
um, like a mystery, and then I read and go down rabbit holes and listen okay. to podcasts till I totally try to convince myself of something. You know what? It's I'm the same way. I'm 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 totally yeah. the same way. I latch onto something and I become obsessed with it for a while. Then I moved on and move on to the next obsession. All right. So yeah, I just I'm I'm, I'm obsessed about. Um, I just saw the um, oh the movie on um, oh shoot Oppenheimer. Now I'm I'm on the Oppenheimer rabbit hole. But anyway, hmm. um, for for two rabbit holes that I went down. And I'm not finished going down the JFK rabbit hole, which is one of your favorite rabbit holes. But I went down the, I did, someone mentioned first the Jack the Ripper rabbit hole. And I tell you, I went down that rabbit hole. I read tons of books. I did listen to a bunch of podcasts. I'm not sure it's that Kaczynski guy. There are some problems with some timing on a couple of the killings. That's to, I'm not even sure. It's the same killer for all the killings. Um, and okay, well, t- time out. Oh, allow me to interject. Um, you very well might have a point. It might have been a copycat situation. And I'll throw one more at you. There is doubt as to whether David Berkowitz was actually the son of Sam or whether there were several sons of plural of Sam. And there's a documentary on Netflix to that effect, but it's an interesting theory. Please continue. Okay. So there's this doctor that I was fascinated This Francis, I think his name's Turnberry. He is American and he's a psycho and a crazy surgeon, which, which also I have a little problem with Kaczynski with that whole, how these people were sliced up. Um, but anyway, so I, I got kind of stuck on him. But he's got some some timing issues, too, because he goes back and forth to England and the U.S. And then the one thing that Kaczynski had, which you said when he, he got put away, that the murder stopped. But with the Turnberry guy, there's also some reasoning on how the murder stopped because he re- returned back to America. Um, so I'm not... Like I said, I, I went down that rabbit hole for a while, and I never really got a really good feel that I felt like I was at a resolution to it. But generally speaking, I never get to a resolution. Um, well, that's, and that's now, what makes that's what makes a mystery a mystery. I think that Kosminski, despite and as far as the timing is concerned, um, the timing of the murders and Kosminski is contingent upon what people reported at the time when they didn't exactly have courts, watches, and everything else. Um, and, yeah, oh, cases- yeah, and the record-keeping was, uh, like you said, I mean, we're dealing with, um, and the know, victims, back- The victims were sex workers, and yeah. sex workers didn't get the respect back then they got today. But this case... Um, the Jack the Ripper case, I mentioned this earlier, caught the attention of Queen Victoria. And actually, as somebody once called Jack the Ripper the most noteworthy social reformer of the 19th century. I don't <laughs> agree with that assessment, but uh, y- you know what? I mean, I would, I would say... I would say with a 60% certainty that Aaron Kosminski was likely responsible for at least some of the Jack the Ripper murders. Okay. I don't disagree with you. I just it was never uh, really 100% on it. But, um, I'm, again, I'm never 100% on it. Well, I need to ask you about JFK. Okay, so 
a newbie to this uh, rabbit hole because it, it, it's before my time, before I was born, but um, I got fascinated in it because I was reading a book about Jack Ruby, actually, which then, then that is what uh, put me down the uh, uh, rabbit hole. Um, and I don't know if you've ever uh, listened to some podcast. You know, if you've gone down the podcast, there's a really good one called Solving JFK, which I like because uh, it gives the Warren Commission side and then um, the doubter side, so to speak. And it, and it really goes. And that's not even finished. I think that got you know it's still going on in terms of episodes. But I. In this, I independently did this, and then I found out there's actually a book written about it, and I don't know if you read the book. I, about halfway through my rabbit hole, I was thoroughly convinced there's two Oswald. So I I came up on that independently, and then about, probably about four episodes in this podcast I'm listening to, the guy references that there's a book that someone wrote that, they believe there's there's two Oswalds, and I'm like, and they kind of acted like it was maybe a little crap. I am thoroughly convinced there's another Oswald, and I, when I say there's another Oswald, I say there was a gentleman that was intentionally um, looks like him that, and I'm not sure the CIA and the mob. I think I agree with you. I think that's a combo deal um, uh, had and used. Um, to um, commit the crime or assist with the crime and then to kind of put Oswald in places where he wasn't. There's just way too many witnesses mm-hmm. that see two people that look like Oswald in, in like, just things my that dear, aren't even... My dear, I, yeah. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but when, when the Lee Harvey Oswald that we know is Lee Harvey Oswald was in Russia, Jay... Edgar Hoover, the director of the FBI, actually issued a memo saying, "We have re- I'll, I'll paraphrase here, we have reason to believe that somebody may be impersonating Lee Oswald and we need to look into this. And while Oswald, that we know as Oswald, was in Russia, a guy named Lee Harvey Oswald tried to buy trucks for the Friends of Democratic Cuba. And on the articles of incorporation of the Friends of Democratic Cuba was a guy by the name of Guy Bannister, with whom the real Lee Oswald was familiar. True story, documented, look it up. And then all of the nonsense that certain people put out. Oh, uh, Oswald never met David Ferry. Nonsense. There's a picture of Oswald and Ferry together in his Civil Air Patrol days. Um, so when you say two Oswalds, yes, I do believe there was somebody who kind of looked like Oswald who the weeks before the assassination was going to rifle ranges, shooting other guys' targets, uh, going to uh, gun shops and saying, I need a telescopic sight mounted on this, and soon. I've got some business to take care of soon. Um, so- yeah, and did you, the guy that, that picks that got Oswald up in the car... And drives them. And there's a guy that that drives him, picks him up, and, and describes that Oswald. And meanwhile, the real the real Oswald is actually documented in, in a different location. Um, but and 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 then all of a sudden he gets thrown into an insane asylum. 
Yeah, well, we're, I mean, that that's part of the story uh, is something with which I'm not familiar. But if, uh, if, you, if you really want to blow your mind, uh, what you can do is watch uh, Oliver Stone's uh, JFK Through the Looking Glass, which was a documentary made decades after the JFK movie. And what you will come away, uh, and any intelligent person comes away with, is uh, the belief that the so-called conspiracy theories of Oliver Stone, a combat veteran in Vietnam, by the way, nobody likes to talk about that, but uh, that Oliver Stone's conspiracy theories have been proven to be conspiracy facts. Um, I wish I had more time to talk to you because it's one of my favorite subjects of all, but I don't want to get too far into the weeds. Uh, but you know, I'll give you two books that will... Uh, actually, three books that I think you need to read. Number one is Jim Garrison on the Trail of the Assassins. Number two, Bernard Fensterwald, Coincidence or Conspiracy. Number three, Richard Belzer and Hit List. Oh, and number four, Judith Very Baker, Lee and Me. And I will tell you something, those books will change your life. Uh, and I, I will, t- I mean, I know Oswald's... Um, girlfriend from New Orleans in the summer of 63 had her on the show uh, a couple of years ago I believe her and you can always tell when somebody's a truth teller when everybody on the internet gangs up on her because CIA and our national security wonderful people uh, they have a disinformation campaign against any and all truth tellers including Oliver Stone Um, I gotta move on I'm glad you called thank you very much I appreciate it I mean, hey, ne- never has a movie been so widely panned before it was even released as Oliver Stone's JFK. What does that tell you? I mean, come on. You'd have to be stupid to think, well, never mind. Well, I know where I'll be tomorrow night with friends um, and my lovely bride. Uh, by the way, the Earworm Show, um, we did uh, Mary McGregor earlier, definitely an earworm, but to me... Uh, we've certainly discussed Defure's face at great length, but the other earworm that Tanner was thinking of this morning in the shower, I'm sorry, but I need to torture you all with this again. This was introduced to me by my children, and it's like a family tradition. So if you look up Badger, Badger, Mushroom, Mushroom video, uh, once you watch it, your life is over. I'm sorry, but it just is. Uh, But you know whose life is just beginning? In the words of the Carpenters, we've only just begun. And let's go to the Buffalo Auto Show, which has only just begun. And here's Joe Beamer. Uh, Tom, you're you're reminding me of the early days of YouTube with that uh, Badger, Badger, Mushroom video. I, you know what? I'm 60 years old. It still cracks me up. <laughs> and then We've Only Just Begun reminds me of that John Cusack movie where he goes to the hotel room and when they uh, – it's a long story. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Mm. But, yes, it's a great movie. I think it's called 1108 but, or 1408, but don't, don't quote me on that. I'll, I'll, I'll do some research during the break. Sir, it's not in my movie pantheon. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck in Blazing Saddles. Yeah, yeah. I mean, also a good movie. But uh, we are joined by A.J. Tetzlaff. He is with AAA Insurance. A.J., also your first uh, He's a musician. That's right. 
He's a, a musician. musician. I am. Yes, Tom is Tom is acknowledging. Hi, Tom. Hey, AJ. What's <laughs> up, buddy? Uh, AJ, you're with uh, AAA Insurance, and uh, we were talking with Elizabeth Carey last uh, segment. But you know, you get one of these new cars. Uh, it's not just as simple as transferring over your insurance, right? You've got, there's certain things you got to look at. It's actually pretty simple. We really just need the VIN number. Oh, so it's it is as easy as it. Uh, people make a pretty big deal out of switching insurance, but it's actually pretty easy. And you just give me the VIN, and I if you already have a policy with us, I could just swap out the old car, put on the new one, give you the new price, and it's, it's done. But there's a new price. Usually, yes. So if I go from my 2015 Honda Accord to this beautiful Jeep right here, I'm probably going to be looking at a change in price. I, I typically see anywhere from like $40 to $200. There's extreme circumstances if you've got like an 08 Honda Civic and you're going out to, you know, a $80,000 car. But typically the value difference is about 200 uh, excuse me, it's usually about like a $20,000 value. A 2010 car could be worth $15,000, but your new car is going to be 40000 so you just figure that's usually about a $200 insurance premium difference, give or take. Now, are there certain things, because I've always heard, you, know, you have a right car, price is going to go up. Certain things to look at when you're purchasing a car to maybe keep those prices down. Mostly safety features. That's a big thing. You know, daytime running lights, uh, analog, the ABS brake systems, uh, VIN etchings help, the OnStar or the vehicle recovery systems. Those things do help a ton. And going to look at an old car, because I have an old car, as I said, almost 10 years old. Certain things I should be looking at when it comes to my insurance coverage. If for an old car? For an old car. Because I've always been, you know, the older it is, the less you need because you're close to getting rid of it. I, As an insurance agent, I would actually tell you that the older cars are going to break down. They're going to have the problems. And they still hold a lot of value that you don't think about. Okay. So you should actually consider still covering them for full coverage because the things that are going to happen to you in the older car are more likely to happen. So you're a greater risk. Uh, but also, if, if you total out the car and you don't have full coverage, you have nothing. So if you at least carry the compa collision, we can cover things like the, the salvage yard costs. You know, we can we could pay for the tow to pick it up, and then it, it'll probably retain sometimes three to five thousand in value at the salvage yard that you would have had nothing had you not had the full coverage. It's good to know. I'll have to go right drive carefully home and uh, fix a few things. Uh, so you'll be here the whole weekend yes yep and you know look at a car but also go talk insurance come talk to us you know most people don't know the AAA even does insurance but we've been around for over 100 years we just don't all do all the super bowl commercials so you, <laughs> you see all the other brands but no we're an incredible insurance company so i mean even for the car you have now come talk to you that's right that's right. right aj tetzlaff with AAA wait, wait, insurance joe joe yes joe, i need what? to talk to AJ. okay let me we, we we did not prepare well we only have one pair of headphones so or, so let me uh put the headphones on aj <laughs> uh aj tetzlaff i did not know that he was with triple a insurance because to me aj is one of the virtuoso virtuoso musicians in western new york either solo duo or with a band aj how the heck are you uh tom you're too good to me man i appreciate it i'm doing I, really well uh you know i haven't seen you play in like forever but you are so amazingly talented i know you love the blues but you do classic rock you do some country and stuff like that um, when when are your next gigs? Do you know offhand, or do I have to go to Jim Kadrina's page? I'm actually playing in a band called Dirty Shirley. We're playing this Saturday at the Ship Bar and Grill. The Ship, I know it well. I've met some interesting people there. 
That's right. And then uh, Applejack, my main band, we're playing February 24th over at the Eden Bowling Center out in Eden. But I saw you at Diamond Hog not too uh, long ago. You looked like you were happy and doing well and having a great time that night. It was a good time. Oh, ha- yeah, having, having an awesome time. Um, absolutely. AJ, um, you are amazing. I'm sorry, I don't, I just, I'm really bad recognizing faces. So if I blew you off, I wasn't trying, I just don't do faces very well. It's like this disease I have. Um, words in a script I can do, but faces I just can't do. But you, my friend, are amazing. I was at Diamond Hawk last night with uh, some friends of mine, and we saw uh, 45 RPM with Ross, who was with uh, Russ actually, who was with uh, Buffalo Beatles Connection and Gary Astrich in the Boys. Nice, yeah, great band. Yeah, absolutely, and we'll look forward to seeing AJ Tetzlaff, T E T Z L A F F, as I recall. That's right. All right, and he's also with uh, AAA Insurance. So not only can you get an insurance price, but you might get it for a song. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take care of him. You send him my way, I'll take good care of him. All right, man, thanks. A.J. Tetzlaff with uh, AAA Insurance. Uh, There's Joe Beamer at the uh, Buffalo Auto Show. Uh, It's amazing the different gigs that the really talented musicians have. I only know a handful of musicians who are able to pull off being a musician full-time and i think they're all married to teachers so they don't have to worry about benefits anyway hey uh it's powerly on news radio 930 wben welcome to the show i'm looking forward to getting back in the game um my my left hand the fingers are just about back to normal i kind of lost the feelings in my left fingertips after the uh, neck cervical surgery and stuff they say it's 18 months up to 18 months recovery but uh i'm you know i'm getting to that point where i really want to start playing again uh but Anyway, that's either here or there. Uh, it is uh, 18. I mean, I'm not really good, but it's fun to do. It's uh, 18 minutes after five at News Radio 930 WBEN. It is uh, Bowerly with you on the radio, and uh, good to be here. Good to be anywhere, actually. And uh, I, do you guys want me to continue this? Because what we're doing, if you're just joining us, is uh, we're doing a show on. Well, I mean, how long did Unsolved Mysteries run? People with Robert Stack, who uh, used to uh, enjoy uh, plenty of female company in the presence of President Kennedy, actually. Um, Robert Stack, I mean, his show, Unsolved Mysteries, ran for a long time. And Americans, we love unsolved mysteries because we like to think that we know everything. And once you think that, you realize you know nothing. That's the first part of being reasonably intelligent is understanding that you know nothing at the end of the day. But... Uh, There are so many mysteries that have come up today. Somebody even brought up the Edmund Fitzgerald, and it is absolutely true. We know where the Edmund Fitzgerald went down. It's been documented. It's been photographed. It has been mapped out. But to this day, there are two conflicting reports on why the Fitz went down. One of them is, I mean, the, the two major schools of thought are a hatch cover or more, Uh, was improperly secured and blew off in the gale and water entered the cargo hold and obviously the ship uh, went down and down and down. Center of gravity got screwed up. And the other school to thought is that it touched bottom and knocked some plates out of the bottom of the vessel or ripped a hole in the bottom of the vessel and the water came in from below. And uh, nobody will ever know. We know where it is. We know how it lies in the bottom of Lake Superior, 
but nobody is ever going to know. And I mentioned this earlier, the Lake Carriers Association, they've got one version, which I believe is the touching bottom version, and the U.S. Coast Guard, its version is, oh no, it was a, it had to be a hatch cover, which has happened in many a Great Lakes uh, shipwreck. Anyway, sorry. I hope this does it for you when I talk about Great Great Lakes shipwrecks. I mean, we live right on Lake Erie and Lake Ontario, so kind of turns me on. I mean, obviously, tragic loss of life does not turn me on, but mysteries being solved, that turns me on. All right, it is uh, Bowerly with you. What mystery would you like to see solved in your lifetime? And I make no mistake about it, I would love to see so many mysteries solved. And some of them I think are doable, like the Amelia Earhart plane that is all over your cell phone, all over the internet. It Could it be the long lost 80 plus year plane of Amelia Earhart? It could be. Then again, it might be a false alarm. And I told you the story earlier, and I will repeat it. Um, We thought, and I I had a group of historians, UB archaeology people, um, ground-penetrating radar people, metal detectorists, and other experts. And based on our scientific data, the ground-penetrating radar, we were pretty sure that we had found the location of the founder of Williamsville, Jonas Williams, uh, his mother, a child, and an unknown pioneer child. All the data were there. So we commenced the dig with the UB archaeology people because, you know, you're talking human remains. You don't just go in there with cowboys and shovels. Uh, you got to do it right. Got to show respect, and you got to do it according to archaeological protocols. So despite having the data that, that gave us every indication that we found the grave site, we didn't find anything. And it was just, you know, I, what can you say? A swing and a miss. Felt like Geraldo Rivera and the uh, Al Capone's vault. But that's why I say the preliminary data, yeah, you know what? It does rather look like Amelia Earhart's Electra plane with its very uh, uh, distinctive tail section. Yeah. But is it? You're not going to know until more research is done. And it's a little bit easier digging in Williamsville than it is going down that far in the ocean. But at the depth the alleged plane is located, um, there's a chance it might be in a remarkable state of preservation. There might even be bodies in there um, at that level of the ocean. Um, Superior, they said, never gives up its dead. Neither does the deep Pacific Ocean. So... It will be very interesting to see how this story plays itself out. And I hope that that mystery is solved. But what mystery of all the mysteries there are would you like to see solved? And I I know I just did this topic relatively recently, but this Amelia Earhart, how did I know that they were going to come out with this big announcement about, we think we may have found Amelia Earhart's airplane? I didn't know it was going to happen, so I thought, hmm. Let me try that as a topic again and see what happens. And so far, it's been a big hit. Uh, 803-0930 is the phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Do you guys like it when I go to my radio voice? Okay. Make sure you have a light jacket. Oh. Del Shannon figures in a mystery. And as I 
Hey, uh, Tanner Saunders back behind the glass. Do me a favor. Would you uh, look up the Travelin' Wilburys version of that Del Shannon classic? Thank you very much. Uh, right now, though, before we get back to the calls on mysteries, let's get back to the Buffalo Auto Show and Joe Beamer. Joe. Oh, Tom, I almost just hit the Iwawa wonder, wonder, but I'll uh, I'll save the listeners from from that and their speakers. Uh, yeah, we are here. Both. <laughs> we are here at the auto show. Uh, remember the auto show going on today and tomorrow from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. Saturday from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And we are joined by Joe Hurley. He's a manager over at Northtown. Joe, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, what are uh, some of the things you guys have here today at the auto show? So today I came down. We did a check presentation at the Subaru display. Um, Subaru is kind of unique. They're partner in the community it's part of the share the love promotion and they brought a dog adoption event here and each of the stores Northtown and West Hurt, we each brought 500 to give to Buddy Second Chad's Rescue great cause they've partnered with Subaru to come down here and have give you an op- opportunity to adopt a dog if you want yes in addition to look at all the new cars that's right they've got some dogs running around awesome to see uh you know we were talking off air this really is the kickoff to a new car season generally we're coming out of some nasty weather like we did in january and you know february the auto show typically kicks off the selling season Uh, we get some nicer weather it's a little nicer at the showrooms but right now no better place to be than here it's bright and shiny it's warm the cars are clean. You can get in them all. Most of them are powered up, and it's a great time to just poke around and see all the cars you want to look at and make your decision. Yeah, you got the cars sitting here. How are the lots looking over at Northtown? You know, they're pretty cleaned out. We had a little bit of snow on them, but we got that off them. Everything, the lots are full. You know, we've coming out of a time when, you know, a year ago you came to our lot, you know, you'd be, you'd be waiting two, three months for the right car. Right now we've got inventory. It's available. We've got selection. You can get the color you want the trim you want, and uh, we'll deliver it to you on the spot. That's amazing. Now, you probably can't answer this next question, Joe, but do you have a favorite car? Like, I mean, you work with cars. Do you have a favorite one? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I like all the cars. Yeah. I, I like anything that's in someone else's driveway. And, uh, you know, I am kind of grew up with Volkswagens, and we've had the Land Rover franchises fun. I've been a Subaru owner many times over. Hyundai's a great brand that we have. It's it, They're all good cars. There's really no b- bad cars in the market right now. That's great to hear. Now, you'll be here all weekend? We'll have people here at our displays from the store um, all weekend long, right through Sunday, closed at, I think, about 6.30. And you've got Joe here in Northtown. You've also got the dogs that uh, you guys gave the check to. Uh, they are running around, and they are up for adoption. Buddy Second Chad's Rescue. Donate or Adopt is a great organization and a great cause. Julie does a great job with it. She'll be around here tonight, and feel free to stop by. Well, Joe, thanks for all the great work you do. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And, Tom, that is uh, that is it for us at the Auto Show. But don't forget, it goes on all weekend long here at the Buffalo Convention Center. A lot of nice cars. you got the very nice cars downstairs. Uh, and then you've got the Jeeps, and you've got the Fords, and the Volkswagens, and the Kias uh, all spread out through the upstairs. So make sure you get some time and come see the Buffalo Auto show a very cool event and uh very happy to be able to share my first time here with uh, the listeners all right well uh uh, i'm sorry joe it's uh, just that every day we get to hear a man lose his auto show virginity on the air and i think you acquitted yourself (laughs) very well for your first time out and uh thank you say hello to uh, kyle tolbert and the guys from uh, transit town kia at the kia display would you 
Sure will, sure will. All right, uh, Joe Beamer, live at the Auto Show. And before we get back to calls on mysteries, I have to hear this because now it's a new earworm, Tanner Saunders, the Traveling Wilburys, a quick shot of, you know... Thank you, Tanner. Needed to hear that. And uh, funny thing is, Jeff Lynn, Electric Light Orchestra, he does not read music. Neither could Jimi Hendrix. True story. Uh, let's go to John in Elma. John, we're talking about mysteries you would like to see solved. I can't believe nobody has brought up D.B. Cooper. Nobody has brought up, did those guys really make it from Alcatraz or did they freeze to death in the water? Anyway, you're on WBEN. Hello. Hi there. Well, I got two from the days of the Wild West. Uh, many people feel that Butch Cassidy was not killed in Bolivia, but he made it back to his home state of Washington. And another one is that Billy the Kid was not killed by Pat Garrett. He actually was supposed to have uh, given a newspaper journalist an interview where he showed him how he, how he got out of a pair of handcuffs once. That was the time where he shot that sheriff with a shotgun. And then there's always that famous belief that Hitler never died in Berlin, but he managed to get to Spain, and he, uh, with the help of his buddy Franco, uh, got on a German U-boat and made it to uh, Argentina. You know, I don't believe that one at all. I think okay. there is... No, I'm, I'm serious. I think there is enough compelling evidence that Adolf Hitler... Uh, committed suicide in the bunker along with his bride, Ava Brown, and then was uh, incinerated by gasoline, and his charred remains were actually recovered by the Red Army, and the Red Army took them to the Soviet sector of Germany, and they buried the remains, and then later on they burned what was left of the burned remains and I think chucked him in a river, and I think the only part of Hitler that still exists is his uh, jawbone showing his uh, dentition, uh, which was pretty unique and, uh, un well, it was it was pretty remarkably unique uh, for uh, Adolf Hitler. I, I don't... Okay. Do you, what, what, do, what, do you, what do you think? Does it sound plausible? I, I mean, think let, the first two are real. I don't... I, I think that I, I think that Butch Cassidy did survive Bolivia, and I don't think that Pat Garrett killed Billy the Kid because they were friends. Well, I believe the first two. Uh, you know what? I don't know enough about the first two to offer an intelligent commentary. Um, I know that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid uh, did escape with one of their mistresses down to South America. They were supposedly killed doing a job in Bolivia by the Bolivian authorities. Uh, there was speculation that actually both of them made it back along with, what was her name, Etta Place? Was that the mistress of one of them? I don't know her name. Okay. Well, there's supposed some some people believe they supposedly made it back to the United States, but this whole you know this whole um, hunting Hitler stuff, these stupid documentaries on TV. I'm sorry, but I have to laugh because okay. Uh, but but hear, hear me out. Adolf Hitler 
was arguably the most photographed man of the 20th century. Correct? Yes, correct. How in the hell would a guy like Adolf Hitler, who was suffering from Parkinson's, who was addicted to all kinds of drugs, who looked like a man about 80 years old when he was in his mid-50s, how in the hell did he make it to South America in a German U-boat and then maintain a low profile when he would have been the most sought-after man in the world? It doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. But, I mean, you know, it, it, it is still, well, not still, but it was a prevalent belief up until I don't know how many years ago um, that he did not uh, – actually, they did plant the body that they wanted people to believe was his, and it wasn't. Well, did, but the question is, did they plant that body? I know the, the one of whom you're speaking, but did, was that body planted, or is that just some random German soldier who had a Hitler mustache, as many of them did? I don't and then know. Russian, I, I, well, Russians, that's, why, that's why it's a mystery. <laughs> well, no, but it, it's it's not a mystery because Traudel Junge um, and a number of other people were in the bunker. They heard Hitler talking about suicide. They heard Ava Brown talking about suicide. They uh, saw the cyanide being experimented with on Hitler's dog, Blondie. Hitler loved that dog. So why would he kill the dog if he didn't plan on killing himself? Uh, Hitler spoke frequently about uh, a momentary pang and then nothing but eternal rest, eternal peace. And Ava Braun wanted to secure her place in history by going down, well, going down with Adolf Hitler uh, in the bunker by taking cyanide. They talked about suicide. Hitler had threatened suicide. I mean, mean, let's not forget, Hitler um, threatened suicide on at least one other occasion in his life, and that was after the failed um, Beer Hall Putsch of 1923. And his friends talked him out of it, unfortunately. Um, so Hitler did have a suicide thing. Suicide There's a flip part... side to that, though. There's okay, a flip side it? to that. And if you want to escape and you don't want people chasing you and hunting you, you want them to think you're dead. That's the flip side. <laughs> no, but see, I don't think, I don't think that Hitler at that point in his life, had the mental capacity to pull that kind of chicanery. You're talking about a guy who was so, whose mind was so riddled with pervitin, uh, that is uh, what we would call crystal meth, cocaine, and a number of other quack drugs that were given him, uh, given him by Dr. Theodore Morell that he was incapable of rational thought. He thought there were armies where there weren't any extant armies. He was not a rational man. I don't think a man that irrational could have had the mental capacity to uh, to to pull off the kind of escape that, oh, well, he escaped onto a German U-boat. Really? Well, it's funny because uh, Karl Dönitz, uh, he never said that. And, and, and eventually, uh, you know, the, the truth comes out even in South America. Uh, Hold on, I want to continue this, John, because that's one of my pet peeves, the people who say, oh, Hitler escaped on a U-boat and he was in South America, because I call total BS on that. And not on you, not on you, but on the people who believe that. Uh, John and Elma, getting back to the Hitler thing, okay? Well, there's Uh, two things things that whatever. First of all, 
if the theory was to be true, and I'm not saying it is, all Hitler had to do was get to Spain because the submarine was supposed to have left Spain. And Franco lived about 30 years after Hitler was supposed to have died. He died in the early 70s. Franco, in his last 20, 30 years, never tried to dispel that rumor. He never said a word about it. Didn't say anything positive or negative. Well, Franco was also a semi-ally of Hitler, and the Soviets, for a long time, the Soviets would not admit, even though they knew, they would not publicly say, oh yeah, Hitler's definitely dead. They used it as a political weapon in the Cold War. But allow me to, to tell you that if the Allies, after the Second World War, were able to track down Rudolf Huss, who was the Commandant of Auschwitz, uh, they could certainly have tracked down Adolf Hitler. And let's talk about South America. If Adolf Hitler had lived in South America, okay, we would have, like, ex, we would have post-mortem uh, statements from people because at this point, what would there be to hide? Uh, because the hangman of Riga, uh, this uh, Cooker's guy, uh, an obscure guy like that by historical standards. You probably have never even heard of him. The hangman of Riga was tracked down by Mossad, and they put together this amazing operation to lure him to his death. Uh, they tracked down Adolf Eichmann based on They knew tip. these people were alive. They knew they were hiding out. With Hitler, they all thought he was dead. Yeah, but you, uh, you. I mean, do you really believe that 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 kind of like I, again? I, I hate to quote the Irishman because so much of the movie is absolute BS. But three people can keep a secret if two of them are dead, and I don't believe for a minute. I mean, and look at look at Mengele. Here's another example: Josef Mengele, the uh, uh, the angel of death, so called at Auschwitz. Uh, for many years, yeah. they knew yeah. he, he, he was alive, but he wasn't a priority for the Israeli government any more than Adolf Eichmann was originally when they figured out, when they got intelligence, that Eichmann was uh, alive and well and still alive before the kidnapping operation that uh, brought him to uh, Israel to stand trial. But I, I see very little probability in the theory that Hitler escaped the bunker in Germany. He was just too well known. And I know the FBI put out a bunch of pictures saying, here's what Adolf Hitler might look like today. But actually, what he looked like was a big pile of ash. Well, you're obviously very, very interested and in well, uh, you have a lot of knowledge about this stuff. I think you have more knowledge about it than going back to the days of the gladiators. <laughs> well, I, I'd be happy to discuss gladiator movies with you, but only in a Turkish, only in a Turkish bath. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate thank the call. You. <laughs> yeah, the whole Hitler escaping Germany thing after the war, I just I never, never bought it. You know, I just, I just, sorry, it just, it doesn't add up. Mengele. After he drowned, he had a stroke and drowned while swimming. Eventually, that came out. They finally said, "Yeah, he died." They dug up his body. They did the forensic comparisons, and it was Mengele. There is no chance that Adolf Hitler escaped Germany after the Second World uh, Second World War. To me, that's just uh, that's folly. It's like Oak Island. It's folly. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, anyway. 
And actually, you don't know this, but I, do, I actually don't exist. I'm actually artificial intelligence, kind of like Taylor Swift. I don't think she really exists. I think she's a projected image, personally. Thanks to uh, Tanner Saunders for great work, as always, behind the glass. Thanks to Joe Beamer for great work at the auto show. Tom Puckett coming up next with Buffalo's Evening News on News Radio 930 WBEN. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's better After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.